I'm so pissed. Like, <laughs> I'm normally really. I'm not, it sounds a bit bad to say, but I'm normally really good at much madness. Yeah. I effing suck this year. Have you looked cool. at the like, dog shit be good this year? And by the way, I should clarify my brother in law's got me so into it. I was talking about wrestling. <laughs> oh, you were meaning oh. the wrestling side. I was just kidding. <laughs> but I actually have been watching a lot more of the wrestling. And, and I'm really mad because every year, because of Neville, I'm like, gosh, I was going to do great this year. Dude, I picked Iowa, them to win, and every year Iowa they, got killed. They, just they look like they look terrible. Yeah. yeah, my bracket's terrible. So yeah, even have Neville's mug again. Well, Arizona, this mug. Yeah, Arizona, 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 and then UVA dropping. Yeah. Like, there's no way anyone got those right yesterday. No, there's no. no way. I don't know why I ever bet against an Ivy League school because every year one of those Ivy League schools they makes all, makes yeah, a run. It's crazy. Yeah. Furman was crazy. Which is the leaves a question: Is it? What is it about those teams? Big brain basketball. Yeah, they're smart. They know, they know the statistics. Yeah. Big brain. Do they basketball. just have a better game plan going into that game? Yeah, I think so. Because well, they, they always have nothing run. to lose, man. And they're, if I remember correctly, they <laughs> went on they got an <laughs> because they're the underdog. You know, you like, mean they're, they're all going to corporate jobs? Yeah, <laughs> like really good. So it doesn't matter. Corporate jobs. They ain't going to the NBA, son. Let's just be honest. Let's just say they're walking into director level immediately. But no, man, that's like there's no way. Somebody picked that. You know what I mean? Like, I would have never guessed way. Virginia and Arizona in, in, the, in the same, same day. day. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. It's been fun, though. It feels like the last few years, it's just a complete toss-up. Other than the Mountain West, you know they're going to lose. <laughs> every <laughs> yeah. every Other time. Other than San Diego State made it through, but Utah Barely. State and Boise State. Yeah. Oh, I also picked Utah. I'm like, man. Well, I had yeah, to because I went to school legit, there, but even as I did it, I was like, nope. But I legit <laughs> did a ton of research on Utah, and I was like, dude, I think they are legit better ball team. They yeah. were going to win, and then yeah. they just disappointed me. Well, in classic again. classic Utah fan style, being from Utah, I blame the refs. Yeah, of course, <laughs> man. <laughs> they had about a four minute stretch. There. Have you guys I, watched the wrestling at all, though? I, I blame no. the, I blame the winter kill. The winter kill. They've been dealing. That's why they're messed up. They might they, be they can't go out. shed hunting, so they're all. Well, they're upset just stressed, man. They're dealing with the same conditions that the animals. You do get that inversion in Logan. It's pretty depressing up there this time of year. The endorphins are low. But what about know. what about uh, wrestling? Have you, do you guys watch the wrestling at no. all? I don't even know no. what's going on. It, no. They do the same bracket style. It, really? It's so awesome. Can you like, so can you win a billion dollars for the? No, bracket? you can't do that. <laughs> but it's just it's very fast. Like they, they'll be done. So they start on Thursday. They'll be done by Saturday night, tomorrow night. Like WWE um, wrestling? No, no, no. College NCAA. <laughs> oh, wrestling. college wrestling. Okay. The Rock. Oh, cool. yeah. yeah, I don't. No college Sports. college wrestling. It is. Yeah. It's dude. The amount of like. So they go to wrestling goes to sudden death overtime. So just first one to score. It is fucking awesome. Oh dang! I don't I just, understand right, the point right, system. Just right before I walked in here, they went sudden death. And the guy, so um, it was Penn State versus I can't even remember the other guy. Um, but it was one one going into overtime. They went into the first overtime, no points scored. So it's one one going into second overtime. The other guy secured the writing time. So mm. if you have enough top control mm-hmm. he, it'll count whoever wins that top control wins a point at the end so he's has riding time secured there's eight seconds left and penn state does a wild move like grabs his head down to the feet gets it up one second left two point takedown wins is that it's a, the coolest overtime my brother-in-law's got me fully fully into this is it pretty right cut now. and dry like the scoring, yeah. Once you learn, yeah. Because you have a ref, right? Well, I have my brother-in-law. We have a ref that like grants points. Oh, like, yeah. You'll see you can the ref kind of circle him, and yeah. he'll be and like, he'll wear, he wears green and red on his wrist, so you'll see which which okay. guy he's giving points to. Gotcha. But I mean, it's kind of cheating for me that I got my brother-in-law to like explain <laughs> it to me, so <laughs> yeah. I learned it very quickly. Yeah. Um, but it's dude, clearly it's I have awesome. no idea about wrestling. Me and he's yeah. he's got the uh, 
you know, he manages all those all those guys, all the fighters and all right. that and stuff. And he wrestled collegiately, right? Yeah, yeah. And he Arizona wrestled. State? He's a four-time state champ on a broken leg. Oh, dang. He's a, yeah, he's a stud. Um, but he's got the number one guy out of Penn State, RBY, Roman something young, Roman Bryce Young or something like that. He's got the number one guy signed. He's going to go with uh, What's Randall the... and start fighting. So it's cool to watch him. I Does... think he's 130. 31 pounds or 130 something. Does he watch that almost as like a recruitment? He's looking yeah, for like guys to potentially bring into the hundred percent. Is that the next move for you? That's like where he, he specializes. Cause he's a wrestler. Yeah. But you're like a collegiate wrestler. I mean, that's kind of it for you, right? I mean, you either go to fighting or you're done. You go, or to, you go, to, go to fighting or you go to the Olympics, yeah, which you're, you're, you're done. Yeah. I mean, you're you, you might get a gold. It's medal really shitty it, that they don't, they don't have like a real outlet, you know what I mean? No yeah. league. Yeah. WWF. That's or do, a lot of WWE them, now, a lot right? of them do go a lot of them do go WWE though really <laughs> yeah a lot of them a lot of them do why which is pretty incredible because money I mean that's where they're that's where they can go make no, a living I do not watch it me and my littlest kid maybe two weeks ago sat down we watched uh, what was it like a WrestleMania a WrestleMania or maybe like a Friday night was it Raw. Yeah. Raw. Raw. Feels dirty to say that. I don't know why, but, <laughs> <laughs> but raw. And we watched a whole, you know, hour, hour, hour and a half of it. Did you feel pretty, dumber afterwards? No, dude, I loved it. It was awesome. Uh, Athletic, man. Those guys are amazing. Guys yeah. and gals. I thought it was all fake. Yeah, it all kind fake? of is fake, isn't it? It is. Did you ever see the movie The Wrestler? No. You gotta see it. But it's yeah, good I'm I'm, I'm, good I'm, I'm back now looking at my bracket. So trail. Trail is uh, bottom. Oh, no, wait. Where's trail at? Did you move up? <laughs> like <laughs> yesterday, like, I was yeah, a trail, trail. You're tied for eighth. I'm twelfth. Oof. You want some of this? I, I, I only have eleven point one percent right of the picks. Last year, I had like eighty-seven percent. No, wait. Let me look it up right now. That's Last terrible. year, I got eighty-five percent of the picks right. I'm at eleven percent this year. Oh, Yikes. that is terrible. Just terrible. Who, who do you have going all the way? Who's your pick? Uh, Houston. Houston. Yeah, they, was, they played a close game legit. last night. Best podcast PED on planet Earth. And I'm and really, hunting really I was nervous too because Gonzaga always ends up screwing me over. The Zags. Yeah. I took Indiana all the way. I figured it So I've, I've Gonzaga in the final four, but um, it's, I don't know. Like Gable Steveson from Minnesota. You guys heard of that? He's He went to WWE. He's like the oh. best wrestler ever. We're back on wrestling. <laughs> well, I just I couldn't remember his name, so I looked it up. I was trying, like, to, I was went, trying to get us off wrestling quite, no, quickly. He went, he went WWE, and he's he's doing well. My brother-in-law manages him too. Cool, very cool. I couldn't remember his name, so I had to bring that back full circle. I uh, I blacked out there for a second. We got, we got March Madness. We're in full effect, and we got Marchery Marchery Madness. Yes. coming Dude. up next week. Can you explain what we're doing for Marchery? <laughs> yeah. Marchery Madness. We thought it'd be fun to do a, an archery tournament in the warehouse. Well, is Porter? If Porter's here. He's we are here not doing week. it. We are not doing it in the warehouse. Not doing it in the warehouse. We're doing it off, we are not off doing location it in a warehouse that looks surprisingly like ours. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah it's very gonna, similar to ours, which is odd, but yeah. Yeah, we're going to do an archery shoot next week. Next Tuesday, we got 16 shooters, so the Sweet 16. We got an iron buck. Cody Bohr hooked us Cody up. Cody Bohr hooked us up. Yeah, that Maybe. thing is sweet. I was kind of, we should have done some AR-500 steel on that bad boy so we could use that also as a rifle target. There you go. <laughs> there's, we should have doubled it up. There's your thinking right there. But I, we were talking to Cody yesterday. We might be able to put that bad boy out at like seven, 800 yards and then be able to shoot Still it without, without going through it. it. Yeah, but because right now it has that hole in it, yeah. but we could just make some swing out thing in the back yeah. of it so that we could hit it with the rifle and then it would swing out and come back in. 
That'd be pretty sweet. So yeah. you got, got the iron buck. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do a shoot down. We got 16 of us. Like I said, we're going to seed everybody based on a survey. How are we, how are we seeding? <laughs> we sent out a random survey and said, how long have you been shooting a bow and arrow? And then from so that's the seeding? When's that survey been sent <laughs> yeah. out? <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you got it, right? Did I get it? I don't think yeah, I got Katie it. Yeah, Katie sent it to you. It was one of your questions in your questionnaire. Oh, I, I yeah. Yeah. I, I made a You've long You've been shooting thing. it for a long time, so you got a high seed. <laughs> you should have a high seed. Yeah, but what we're going to do, first round, 16 seed, one seed, top four matches, we're going to handicap them a little bit. So the top seed's going to have to shoot two arrows for the one guys, the lower seed's one arrow. Mm. And we're going to mm. start at 20, back it up five yards at a time, and then we're going to go to Elite Eight, and then a Final Four, and then a championship. Where do you envision yourself going? How far do you think you're going to get? Oh, uh, I don't know. It's tough to, I don't know. I haven't it's shot a, that what much. Is the, what's the hole? Five, five inch? Five inch. It's five inch hole. Yeah, we're going to start at 20 and back it all the way to 55-ish. So you don't know. How far do you think I'm going to go? And just, just for reference? I think you I think, you, re- I think you start off against Branson. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're good there. I think you're golden. Just, I think, just, for re- just for reference, I haven't shot my bow since TAC Park City last year. <laughs> So, Here's the thing yeah. with something You're like that. You're a detailed guy, though. You'll I be fine. I could probably just, just like riding a bike. Yeah. Everybody was like, a five-inch hole is too big. But I'm like, probably most of these people have never shot in front of somebody else. So yeah. it's like that right. that well, little, bit, little bit of nerves. And then you have the camera on, and then you have the, the iron buck. And My mentality keep, being yeah. a just-in-the-kill-zone kind of guy. Like, I'm I'm a killer. I'm not a shooter. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I'm, I'm going for kill zone. Wherever I can fit that arrow into the kill zone, I am definitely not like a spot shooter. Yeah. Like, you know, a, a traditional target shooter. Mm-hmm. So I got no clue how I'm going to do in this. Who's your no picks? Clue. Who are you picking? I was going to pick Barnett. Honestly. He's dropped out. I know he dropped out. Why did he, he drop out? He got scared. No, he had some family stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he has to stay back. Yeah, he was talking to so Bar- Barnett so that's, dropped that's out. out. I'm picking Brandon. Brandon, Brandon's, Brandon's always a, a good, sleeper. He's a good shooter. Man. Brandon's he's a, a, a mellow guy from top yep. to bottom. He's really even kill. And mm-hmm. I think last time we shot all together up at the range, I think yeah. he shot really good. Yep. Do you still shoot tension release? Yeah. Even at something like this? Yeah. Really? Still shooting I'm, I'm shooting my tension on this. Really? That's about all I shoot. I can't do it any other way because I got the TP so bad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, this is yeah. probably amplifies it because, like, <laughs> even in my mind, even in my Thanks, mind, guys. like, I have already, I've never thought about target panic. Never had it. Never yeah, thought same. about Why'd it. Why do you even say the word? I said, sorry. That's why, that's why I said TP. Yeah, TP right now, just for um, saying it. But yeah, I. Just, but I did like looking at the iron buck. I'm like, holy shit, man! This is like a real spot shot. Yeah. So yeah. everyone right now in our Slack thread kept talking about the iron buck. And if you're already talking about the iron buck, we've been it's joking in your head. privately. Yeah. It's already in their head. They're already out. Hey, I'm a mental midget. It's in my head. I think it's the funny, for sure in the, my head. the funniest thing is just like the level of excitement that's perked up in the office yeah. the last week. All yeah. the guys around Healthy the horseshoe. Yeah. Everybody's talking about it. Adam was out shooting this morning. <laughs> I think Garrett is borrowing a bow from Jared, so that might <laughs> be kind of fun. But yeah, I, it'll be fun. Next week we're gonna. I film, might film actually that. dust off my bow and practice this weekend. Nice. I got a sight line. I'm in. staying true to my. I'm staying true to my. You just game. go with it. You I'm just going. Go from I'm heart. showing up yep. fresh. Yeah. Staying yeah. So that'd be fun. Look forward to that. So look, we're gonna do a YouTube video. And like that. I said, I only have four arrows, so <laughs> little added added pressure. You sound like me with my bow. Yeah. yeah. But March Marchery Madness. A little our our take on uh, March Madness. I really I was joking the other day, but I really wish I had access to a crossbow. I was gonna bring a crossbow. That would be funny. Yeah, would be there's, funny. N- <laughs> there's nothing in the rules I've seen that said I can't bring a crossbow. How accurate uh, do you think you would be standing no rest with a crossbow? It'd be pretty tough. I think it'd be still pretty tough. I think yeah, yeah I think for it sure. Might be even harder. Might be. Especially with you, you guys, guys ever shot a crossbow? I've never shot, I've never shot, never shot a crossbow. I've never shot one. What's your take on using crossbows during hard? <laughs> they should be hundred percent banned. During hey man, I got it, the shoulder problem. Though. I don't care. I got the shoulder thing. So <laughs> like when I draw my once in a lifetime shoot tag in Colorado in an archery only unit, I got this thing, my shoulder. 
<laughs> not, I'm not here for it. I don't well, uh, so you think they should be able to use them during like any weapons? During your rifle season, sure. Gotcha. That's kind of where I land as well. Yeah. I agree. I was just curious. Totally yeah. agree. But since, like, since you brought up crossbow, yeah. <laughs> the loophole of if I ever did draw that Colorado tag, I want archery only. I mean, I did have a shoulder, left shoulder <laughs> replacement. I could definitely bend Come the rules. I'd not bend. I could definitely play by the rules and gain some accuracy and some yardage. But I, I totally I, agree. It's like it's I'm, bow. It's it's drawback compound bow, and that's as I'm far. I'm just gonna as it play goes. devil's advocate, advocate here. If I drew a sick tag, mm-hmm. and you could supposedly use a crossbow, yeah. it would almost benefit you to go out and mess up your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get a doctor's note. Just use it. Yeah. Like I bet there's piece no, of some, some honestly, psychos out there would probably do it. That yeah. gaining that edge. I don't like know, if you man. could you could sit there on a rest and shoot a hundred yards, well, like everybody's got a doctor to write a note, you know. Yeah, I mean? like, like it's you got a guy. It's a scary you slope know? you're playing with here. I agree. They, I don't think they should be. I don't think they should no. be in an any legal. That's yeah, how I feel. Illegal Just weapon. my two cents. Yeah. Wyoming still allows them, I think, for archery seasons. I think the biggest for anybody bowl, or for doctors? No, yeah, I think one, any, one big bull, really. Yeah, no, I think mm. anybody. I think one of the biggest bulls in the state of Wyoming that was killed during archery season was killed with a crossbow a few years ago. It was like four ten. Yeah, big bull. I just worry about people driving down, road hunting, and yeah. like sticking out the window and shooting something. That's Nobody does that. Yeah, no, I know, not, right? not in Utah. No. I've never seen that. <laughs> Nor in New Mexico either. Hey, when yeah. you go out on deer hunt in Utah and like you one see of the, the first vehicles the you see is a couch in the back of the truck, yeah. a love seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always laugh every time I'm up on a mountain glassing when I was archery hunting in Utah and you see that and you're like, what the yeah. F is going on? Like, I remember it's not legal, but they're doing it yeah. and no one's catching them. One of my very first memories of archery deer hunting in Utah, I was sitting up on this knoll glass down. I could see the road and I could see this guy poking along and I could see this three point buck bedded up underneath the ledge, probably 110 yards off the road. And I see this guy pull up. He stops, looks at it. I'm like, oh, he's just going to give this buck a look. Nope. Grabs the bow. That guy sent three arrows. (laughs) (laughs) It's well over 100 yards, but he was just casting. He was Wrangler jeans and a t-shirt. Was you think he had a hundred yard pin or he's just highly, some holdovers? Not, not then, man. Not 20 uh, some years ago. Yeah. Just, just going to send it. He was just, just casting arrows. Yeah, just ruined mm. him. But Can't kill him unless there's something in the air. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? We should get off archery and get on to the muzzleloaders. The actual reason, reason we're here? Yeah. Two, we got a, we got a special guest today. Mr. Ryan Gentry himself. What's up, dudes? Ryan the Creature. Yeah. The Creature. That was the first thing I wanted to ask. What's, what's the it, name? It's so a great, I, I a kinda, great, great handle. Yeah, I, I gathered gathered that from a, a deployment I was on. It was a nickname, and it just kind of stuck. And I'm like, sounds good. I don't like putting my personal information out there much on the gram. Uh, <laughs> That's why I had to ask him again if I could say his name on, on the podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah, is that top secret? No, definitely not. It's classified no. top secret. I wish. I wish <laughs> no one knew who is I that, was. Sometimes is that yeah. classified, Ryan Gentry? No, no. it's out there, public so, knowledge. So he's also <laughs> co-owner of Blackhorn Guide Service. Yep. Yeah. So Blackcorn Guide Service out of New Mexico. Uh, me and Cole Johnson, one of my best friends, started that together. We had been guiding for quite a few years, and we kind of just got t- tired of guiding for people we didn't jive with. So we're like, you know what? We could do this way better. Yeah. So what do you specialize in in New Mexico? Any and all or what? Anything. Yep. Yeah. I mean, as much as it pains me to say it, we're really good with Audad, and I hate Audad, but we're really good. Hate Audad. <laughs> Please them. explain. Yeah, we're really we just good. Got, we just got done talking yeah. about Why do you yeah. hate them? I think we they're love super them. cool. They're, so they're really cool animals, and they're really awesome, but um, I'm not a big fan of non-native species, especially in an area where it's hurting the deer and the bighorn. Oh, man, I got yeah. beef. <clears throat> Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> Come I, on. It, it's a great money maker. I enjoy hunting them. I enjoy I killing that, them. Let, let, me, that yeah. let me kick back on that. So you've got bighorn sheep, right? Right. I mean, what's the the 
the projection of bighorn sheep across the landscape in the West? Is it good or bad? Not good. Ooh, I would say it's marginal at best. It's marginal at best, <laughs> yeah, right? Marginal what's, at what's best. The, what's the prospect of Audad? Phenomenal. Amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, that's the problem. So, so you're saying again, we need to do a bunch of bucket biology and we should start dropping these I things mean, all across the I mean, what I'm saying is I drive through the gorge when I come down to Vegas and we've got sheep on either sides of it. You yeah. know, you've got sheep in Utah, which I like. I like bighorn sheep too, but like I'll never hunt them. You mm-hmm. won't ever hunt them. No. You know, True. You probably yeah. won't ever hunt yeah. them. But if we dumped a bunch of odd that off in there, we'd all hunt them, right? I don't know. That's It's controversial and I'm going to be... Probably my name's going to be drugged through the mud for saying that. But sometimes I look at that thing and just I'm like, yeah. I, you know, I, but I think I agree with you in a sense, though. They're here, so we might as well enjoy it. They're here. They're not going yeah. anywhere. We, I've been trying to kill them off for years. It ain't happening. Yeah. Um, so It is wild how hardy they are compared it, to... Really, they really the are. Stuff. I it's mean, they wild. survive better than anything yeah. there is out there. Um, so I, I, mean, res- you, I respect the animal. If you I, think about it, like, think about... They, they are in 500-acre high-fence places in Texas, totally docile and fine. Mm-hmm. Then they're in New Mexico... Texas free range, yep. totally fine, thriving. Like yep. they could, literally can do it all. It's yeah, wild right. how like how hardy they are compared to everything else. It's incredible. I, I'm kidding a little bit, a little bit, a little uh, bit. <laughs> now you're, now you're but here. I think it's a healthy discussion. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. What it gets into is the opportunity thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Like we all just want to go hunting. Right. They're well, a badass right. animal. They're incredible to hunt. Yeah, and I mean animals aren't purely on the landscape just for my enjoyment for hunting. <laughs> I, yeah. I guess I was unfortunately. Back. So no, I do think you. <laughs> I do think you want to protect your native. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm not a scientist, bio- biologist, or anything. I'm just a dude that like shooting them. Um, so I. From the science standpoint, I don't know. They may be fine. They may not be fine. Do you think they impact deer herds? I do. Yeah, really? I think they do. You've seen yeah, it. I, I think like, particularly the area they are in New Mexico where we're at. I water scarce. Um, water and food is scarce. And when you've got you know forty five odd dead in in each canyon, but only you know five to ten deer, I, I think yeah. it really it really is an impact on the deer. And that's what bothers me the most is the deer. I mean, the sheep. Most places they don't really co-mingle with the sheep and i know they've been doing some studies in texas i'm not quite sure what's kind of come out of those yet i've heard back and forth on whether it impacts the bighorn or not uh, as far as what they've done in texas but you think it would i, I would think it would you think there would be some cross I, between yeah, domestic as bar- far as the bar- disease stuff barber- i'm yeah. not sure how that works i, I know that you know water sources and food matter but i don't i don't know if there's a whole lot of data yet on on disease between Audad yeah. and Bighorn, but hmm. and then I, I've been ridiculed too. They're like, "Oh, well, you like Oryx and Ibex, but you don't like Audad." And I'm like, "Well, you know, our Ibex are in one mountain range where the only other native species in there is mountain lions and rattlesnakes." Yeah, yeah the, the mountain lions aren't pissed off about the the Ibex being there. So it, it, and video? it's holding and it's holding mountain lions to that, and Correct. not going to other mountain Correct. ranges. Yeah, there's, there's a there's a positive to it as well. So I, I don't see a whole lot of impact on native species with the Ibex. Oryx, same thing. You know, the Oryx are out in the flats, out there on, mm-hmm. on the Mesa. and I should have pulled it up beforehand. Did you see there was a news release? It was like an opinion piece mainly about Oryx in general, how they're like very bad on the landscape and might have too many of them. <laughs> I can't remember where I saw that. I, I would I would say that's probably It was something true. recently I saw. I was going to like maybe cover it for news on Go Hump, and I was like, ah, it's more of an opinion piece. It's kind of diving into a lot of, I don't know if it was like National Park-ish type thing. Probably. It's probably with White Sands. Yeah. Um, like yeah. They were talking about there's an overpopulation of them, and they're really bad on the habitat mm-hmm. and the landscape. And yeah. Where as far we? as impacting native wildlife, I don't know that there's a big impact to native wildlife. I mean, they're the only native wildlife they seem to commingle with is antelope down on the Oterra Mesa, and I don't, I don't really think it's a big issue. I think it was the second link you had down there, Cody. Where are we at as far by? as um, 
<clears throat> all three of those species in New one. Mexico. You got Oryx, Ibex, and and uh, Barbary. Barbary sheep. As far as like being the the good old days, you know, if you will, where are we at on, this, I, on I the de- spectrum? Ibex is definitely kind of on the decline as far as really? overall trophy quality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you used to have some pretty big billies, you know, forty seven to forty eight inches. Some even pushing more than that. I would say the top end right now might be forty four. And is that just 44. the number of permits they've allocated? Oh, I'm talking. Uh, I was talking quality. So that's. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as yeah, quality wise, quality decline. Is it man? Be, is it population wise? Are we? I think, I think, it's, I think the we're overhunting it. Okay, but again, it, it's a non-native species. So do I yeah. really care that we're overhunting it? I don't know. It's, yeah. it's one of those things that what is overhunting a non-native species? Are we trying to manage this for just to maintain anything. the species on the mountain, or do we want to maintain the cash actually, flow to the the revenue to the game really of fish? It's a really good question. It's actually yeah. a great question. Yeah, just what do we manage? Yeah, what your objective so, is yeah. right. Um, what about uh, orcs? Because I hear it's like the the good old days of orcs. Not true. True. I, I think orcs is just as good as it's ever been. For, really? As far as I'm concerned, yeah. From what I say, I could be way wrong. Here, but here it is, Cody. I found it. I'll send it over. Is to that you. off range and yeah, it's and off range. range and on the missile range. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I hear. I hear recently. Like it seems like in the last few years, more people talking about because it used to be like on range was the tag that you wanted. If you picked up a off range permit, it was kind of hit or miss. Like yeah, you might hear of one getting shot. You right. know, every now and then, but it seems like yeah. now a lot of people are filling their permit on an offering. I think stand. so, I th- and I think a lot of people put in in the outfitter draw um, <laughs> non-residents, so they, they that cuts the learning curve on where to find them off-range when you're going with an outfitter. Uh, as far as just you know, as resident status go, I know a lot of us residents prefer the off-range because it's a much longer hunt. Where mm-hmm. if you draw a missile range tag, you've got two days. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but if you're a local and, and you draw the off-range tag, well, you got an entire month. So, How are you hunting them? Just spot and stock, uh, glassing, kind You're of glassing just, from the truck. Are trail. you driving, glassing? Yeah, driving, driving desert roads, kind of getting on. We like to get in a particular area where it's got some just small little hills on it, and we get up so on the lot, hills. So a lot of like antelope hunting. Exactly, like yeah. antelope hunting. Do you guys yeah. do the whole drag the road and look for tracks? Nah. No? No, is I don't a, think. Is that a, wise, a wives' tale? Probably, or someone who just doesn't really know how to hunt them. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever spent more <laughs> than a day hunting orcs. Um, just like killing. an antelope hunt. Yeah. It, it's, I would love to do it. I'd love to draw that tag. Oh, man, cool. it's fun. And, and they taste amazing. That's uh, what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, they taste I've amazing. Yeah, Jared was saying that he had some orcs. And he was going to, I don't know what it was, had some meat he was going to, like, give to someone. And his wife said, no, found out that was an oryx meat. And it's like, you cannot give away that oryx meat. Like, you cannot hmm. give our friend that because, like, that's coveted, amazing meat. Give him some elk or whatever. Yeah. And said, like, gotcha. oryx is In- important. Incredible capes. Incredible. Yeah, yeah it's gorgeous. Yeah, really coolest, pretty animals. One of the coolest capes, like, ever, in my opinion. Yes. Black, white, and gray. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, I found that article. I pulled pulled it up. Had Cody put it up on the big screen. So rising oryx numbers may distress New Mexico ecosystem. This is an article from the Wildlife Society, which is a big science based organization. So yeah, they did this little report, and I just didn't know. I haven't read into it a lot yet to figure out what the angle is on it. But yeah. I thought it was interesting when I saw it last week, just about New Mexico oryx and. And they, they're, the they're far ranging, right? Like they'll they'll cover ground. That's my understanding. Yeah, they, they've 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 grown quite. Their their range has grown grown quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah, they used to just be on the missile ranges, and then got man, off. Yeah, they're all over the place. They're even as far up as I've seen one just south of Albuquerque. I've really? never seen Which one. Which is wild. Yeah, that's how uh, how big an animal are they? Uh, a, a good mature bull is probably about a cow oak. Okay. Size of a cow oak. Yeah. So you're getting they're. That's a big, big animal. Yeah, it's, Man, a, what it's a, a big animal. Badass looking animal, yeah. though. Holy shit. Yeah, that's such a cool animal. Here's, so here's cool. a good quote in this article I just saw, too. Oryx may overgraze 
some remnant patches of desert grass, some research shows. They not only compete with cattle, causing issue for ranchers, they also have detrimental effects on the ecosystem. Um, in the dry season in the years, oryx may focus more heavily on the grasses, causing additional stress to the ecosystem. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm not sure what this research is. Let me click on it and check it out. God, what Man, a cool I, animal. Ooh, Look no. at that. I, would love, I would love to draw this tag. I hope I draw it. Yeah, they're such a gorgeous animal. Yeah, me too. It's They're just fun to hunt, man. It's just one of those, like, really cool. I built a platform in my Tacoma where you get up on, put a ladder on the platform and glass. Because so, you're out in the flats and it's in those sand hills and you got the creosote and yuccas yeah. and everything that's really tall. So you just got to get a little bit of little bit of uh, elevation on them. But, uh, and they're, they're really cool because, um, of course, there's an African animal, so the vitals are really different. Yeah. So you got to be careful with that. A lot of people end up shooting them, like, right there in the crease of the shoulder and they're, they just... Yeah, too far back. Yeah, yeah. You gotta go further for the back. No, further forward. For, so forward, you actually want right. to shoot yep. kind of right on. So see where that black line on the leg is, where it kind of comes up. Yeah. Yep. You want to shoot kind of like right there, like right above that little white spot. Um, Man, like, right, like right almost there. like you're shooting right on the shoulder. Yep. Is what it would look yep. like. like. Like almost right in the shoulder. front of the shoulder. Yeah, low front shoulder. So that's 300 rum territory. No, yeah. They don't. They don't. Okay. That is kind of a. It's it's kind of a mind switch there to. That low front shoulder, like yeah, because all their all their vitals are really far up and, yeah. and right up there, um, almost right in the front of the shoulder, like that. In terms of uh, like how skittish pull they up, are, see if you can pull up like a vitals chart. I know there's a bunch on there. Um, skittish, uh, not really. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're used to all the range trucks driving around. Yeah. And it, I, we always joke if you're in a white truck, you can literally drive right up to them. White truck and probably just normal clothes. So, hey, the white, so white, white truck, oil, oil, oil <laughs> kind of thing. When I bow white hunt, truck I, and fatigues. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I talk about. When I bow hunt, I just wear all green. They think I'm a park ranger. Like, yeah. I'm a friend, bud. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure what to think about that little go. study on there, but. Oh, yeah. Way up forward. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Wild. Yeah. They're, they're really, really an interesting animal. Yeah, geez, that is really far forward. And they, they, I mean, they can take some heat, heat too. Like, I've had a buddy, he probably, oh, I mean, he was shooting good, too. Just look at that. Probably look. six or seven shots, shots with a seven mag, but he was just a little high. So, you see where the, the lung is in the shoulder blade up there, and he, you just shoot just a little high like you would be shooting on an elk Dead like space, that, yeah. and you're going to miss, you're, I mean, you're just going to keep going and keep I'm going. I'm blown away with that spinal column right there. Like, look at that. Yeah. Wild, huh? <laughs> look at that, yeah, that is bizarre. You got a huge. It's like some prehistoric Looks like a dinosaur, thing. yeah. yeah. We're talking about dinosaurs? <laughs> I just got excited. <laughs> Looks like a dino. <laughs> oh man. No, even, Nerd. If, even Nerd. honestly, I've never I've never hunted Africa. But if I was going to Africa, this is one of like the more exciting species right. for me. Yeah. Like even if I was traveling all the way over there. So it's pretty cool. I mean shit that you got them right there in New Mexico. Right here, yeah. yeah. I, I do want to go to Africa and shoot one in Africa now that I've got some in New Mexico. So yeah. one day I'll do that. I'll go do Oryx. That's, the, that's the only an, big game animal my mom has ever harvested. My mom shot a gems buck. In, in Africa, Africa. Africa. it's cool. bigger than my dad's, and she always lets my dad know that. <laughs> That's the only thing she's ever shot in her life because she's, you know, she's supports hunting, but she's yeah. never been a person wants to go kill. Someone. No, this this would be top of my list in Africa, so I, I would love to have this tag year. Yeah, for cool. me, I, I want to go over there and kill a kudu and a sable, but I want I I I couldn't go to Africa without shooting an orc. Even though uh, I've shot, we're gonna here. redact all this because I want I want my draws to be decent. So. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. How long are their horns? Like, what's a big one? Uh, so I have a cow that was 40 inches, and then my bull was 36 inches. What's, what's really what's a, really big is like 40, 42 inches. Wow. So you said the cow is my the, cow went the 40. bigger. Yeah, are cows longer? They are. They're longer, the longer and skinnier. Yeah. yeah, and I don't. I couldn't tell you why. I'm sure there's some scientific reason why, but uh, the bulls will have a really, really thick base. Now there's big bulls. I mean, you're gonna there's 40 inch, 42 inch bulls out there, but uh, I, I, I did not shoot one. I he, saw mine. I'm like, man, I got to shoot that thing. And it was the first time I had shot an orcs. 
uh, and he looked huge to me. So, are they hard to distinguish between male and female when you're looking at them out there? They can be at first, but once you start to really look at them, like you'll look at the base of the horns. I love how um, we always have the same question. Oh, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. I was just thinking that as well. Like, dude, it's got to be hard. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it can be, but of course, in good glass, you I mean it's. Yeah, you can get close, and you got good glass. It's it's pretty easy to can tell. You get, can you get pretty close? You can. Yeah. yeah you Do the get, bulls get more textured on the bases, and the and the mm-hmm. cows are a lot more? Yeah, they seem to be. Well, the cows will get smoother sooner, so the cows will only have like you see how it's got all kind of like the rings right there. Yeah, the cows will only go probably four or five inches up with rings, and then it gets really smooth. Um, yeah. The bulls will carry those rings quite a ways up, and they're the bases are real thick on a bull. Like if you're looking at them head on, you can really tell a bull because it you know they'll just. Really yeah. good, good bases yeah. where a cow will just be really skinny, kind of really narrow, kind of up, up and the down. The difference of me and trail standing next to each other. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Well, one of the things I hear quite a bit is that like off range hunts, you can have conflict with private public. Like, it can be tough to navigate. It can. Is it, that true? It's like anything else. Yeah, but you I mean using your map maps with you know where where private public and range and is the, is the feasibility of catching one on public land then pretty good? Oh yeah. If absolutely. you've got time to hunt. Yeah, absolutely. Because you got the thirty days. Yeah. So if you've got the time to really spend out there, and then a lot of people like to hunt range boundaries, um, you know, you'll you'll sit there right on the range boundary, and they'll they'll move back and forth hmm. and catch them out in the the BLM or in the public, and hmm. yeah, they they move around quite a bit. That is so interesting that New Mexico has this. Yeah, you know the exotics, exotics. the free range draw system exotics. Yep. This is wild. Yeah, it's kind of a. I mean, when you really kind of zoom I, out and look at the overall opportunity of it it's pretty insane and they truly are like free range like they're whereas like texas i mean i know texas there's a lot of you go back and forth on high fence to you know free range and west texas is really similar with a lot of the free range stuff and them being pretty wild but in new mexico they're i mean they're as wild as anything else out there and they're it's a lot of fun chasing them down so you you grew up in New Mexico? I did, yeah, born and raised. So I, I I was born in the the eastern side of the state, and then kind of grew up in the central side in the mountains. So you grew up hunting? Uh, not really, not really at all. So kind of had like a rough rough go as a kid. Uh, get into trouble in high school and stuff like that. And hunting was kind of that thing that you know my dad was so busy. I'm the oldest of six kids, so hmm. well, you know my parents were always busy, and we didn't do a whole lot of it. And I I would just kind of disappear into the woods and yeah kind of really just get out there and i grew up in a small town kind of you know south central new mexico in the mountains and i would just kind of take off out of the house and spend time we me and my brothers had like this treehouse thing and we'd hang out in there and i'd always chase down elk i remember even as a little kid just laying in bed at night in september i hated september right because we live you know up in the Aspens at 8,000 feet. So September, the elk never shut up, and they're always yeah. outside my window. <laughs> yeah. First world problem. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's what I'm saying. It's Jeez. just like, golly. Um, so I, I kind of, my dad never really haunted. Uh, and I think it wasn't until high school where I kind of got like, all right, I, I like deer hunting. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy deer hunting. So deer is what got you into it before. Uh, it else. did, but then it kind of switched, and I really became in love with elk. Oh, and good. Yeah, and What's so up, I had a really good time hunting elk. <laughs> but... I'm kind of get as I you know get age and I, I get I'm kind of bored of elk hunting and I don't mean that like I haven't killed a whole bunch of elk I haven't drawn a whole bunch of elk tags but to me something about just going out and trying to hunt a deer and find a deer in the places that deer live and I know you guys are looking at each other I knew, with this I knew internal I love battle that. There's like something, something special there's just about something it. about deer yeah. man that it's not uh, a school bus on a mountain yeah you, you, not that not that saying elk's easier that I, I've taken elk for granted um, but. Deer's just fun. I have a lot of fun 
killing deer. Uh, and you know, I can go out and shoot. I, I, I could shoot a forky or I could shoot a 180 inch buck and I'm, I'm stoked. I'm happy. I'm having fun because I'm hunting deer. Elk, I, I refuse to shoot a small elk because they just don't look cool to me. I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. mount elk. I euro elk. Uh, and I just like, I don't, I don't really like eating bulls. I'd rather shoot a cow over, you know, a smaller sub 300 inch bull. So for me, deer is that one species where no matter what size the deer is, yeah, I'm having fun with it. Yeah. Um, whether it's whitetail, coos, mule deer, I just something about deer. I really enjoy mm-hmm. deer. How's the coos doing in New Mexico, by the way? Uh, they seem to be okay. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of, of places, you know, down there no. in the south in the Boot Hill and stuff. But they 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 have some opportunity. Yeah, they though. have some opportunity, and we produce some really big coos deer. Um, I think Arizona's still the authority for coos, but yeah, still yeah. the king. Yeah, we we have really good coos deer. Can, can I jump back into the exotics for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Know? Have you ever looked into the tar in New Mexico? <laughs> I have, yeah. Like every time I bring it up, yeah. like there's no way there's, you're talking about New Zealand tar. I'm like, yeah, yeah. tar. Yeah, up there on Mount Taylor. Yeah. Um, I've heard you know, all the rumors of them. I've, I've never went and chased them myself. One uh, of the guys in our office, Dennis Lee, he shot a Really? Tar, yeah. yeah. In New Mexico. What's their status? They don't, I don't know. I, 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 like, honestly, I've never looked up right too now. much about it. Not but a game what species? year was that he killed that? 2014 or 15. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, and his, his rank, like number, like it was like top 10 SCI, like, mm. including all the New Zealand ones. It was a smoker. How did they get there? Honestly, I should have researched it before I brought it up, but <laughs> do not. I think I think I heard they were like just in some private area, and then they, you know, obviously like everything fence broke free or whatever, and they got out. Now they're surrounded. And yeah, they can hunt them. But I've never seen one. I've never. I don't know anybody yeah, that have killed has killed one. Yeah, you don't hear people talking about it very often. No, there's at all. not a whole lot of them up there. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. I think I, I've just been, you know down south was where we have all the odd dead, and I've just been preoccupied with yeah mowing down odd dead. So. I've never gone up there to check them out. How many do they have, do you think? I think the population this, is very, very low. Like the, chance, the, the, chance, the chance of you seeing one, if you actually do the hunt and like get the tag, it's pretty hard. And I thought you have before, to have I thought, a tag for I, it? I, I, thought before, I don't believe there is it's a tag It's not in the regulations no. at all. No. It's yeah. probably yeah. not. Just see when you yeah. shoot it. Yeah. It's like hogs on it on a strip. Wow. Yeah. Just, just go out and shoot them. Yeah, Dennis Lee killed one. Yeah. Pretty wild. This is a pretty sweet looking one, too. Yeah, so going back to the, you know, hunting origin story of mine um it probably i never really took hunting serious right i was in athletics and in high school baseball basketball football doing all that stuff and not really paying attention to, to hunting too much um but it wasn't until 2014 my brother was killed in an accident and i had a really hard time with that and i, I went to a really dark place uh, mentally and i was in korea at the time and when i came back i actually randomly got stationed in new mexico um we have a couple bases out there and it was like this really cool opportunity to come back home um, in a time where I, I really needed some healing. And that's when I went full blown, like, OK, I'm going to do everything that we always talked about doing. I'm going to do everything that we always dreamed about. We, you know, just yeah. disappear and I'm going to I'm going to hunt my ass off as much as I can. And so that's kind of I'd say 2014, 2015 is when I flipped the switch to. Because everybody in New Mexico hunts, right? I mean, I always make jokes, even the cholos, the gangsters, everybody hunts. Like, everybody's elk hunting, everybody's deer hunting. No matter what walk of life you come from in New Mexico, you are you are connected to hunting in some way. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's such a part of New Mexican culture to, to hunt um, that you just kind of never get away from it. But it was at that point where I, I used hunting to pretty much be my therapy. Yeah. Um, and be, be my escape. And I'd say, yeah, probably... 20, 2015 is when I got like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and dedicate. I'm going to knock out all the rest, quit snowboarding, everything. I'm going to knock out all the rest of the hobbies and just, just hunt. Just focus on hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when I would get back in the, and I think that's why I like deer so much. Cause 
deer live in places that nobody else likes to go. Um, and and I, I think that's where I get in there and I get kind of just calmed and yeah, hmm. uh, it's like my therapy. So I I feel it for sure. Yeah. Did your did your brother hunt with you? He he never did. No. But you talked about it. Yeah, we we'd always talked. You know, I mean, we'd we'd hunt squirrel and small game and, and everything, and it, we just never really got to the point where because our, our dad didn't hunt, so it just it was kind of something we would all do on our own. And uh, my dad's he's he's about hunting, and I've gone with him before. I've, he, he's actually gone with me when I've killed an odd dad. Um, but he, he just you know being so busy raising six yeah. kids, and now that I have three kids of my own, I, I completely get it. Like, <laughs> I got now I know I never I really could, hunted, yeah. never cared too much about it, and just didn't have the time or the money even then. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm taking full advantage of of that, and uh, I've got my son hunting, and he's killed an antelope in New Mexico. So it's just something that I've seen the value of the mental healing side of it, um, and you know being in the military for 16 years now, it's. That's what I look forward to every year is, all right, I'm going to just put everything on hold and pause yeah. life, and I'm going to go chase deer, elk, whatever. Yeah. That's a great way to approach life. Yeah. The healing side of just getting out there hunting. And yep. We've, yeah. all, we've talked about it almost on every podcast, what it is for us when we're out there. You it's know? right. It's, it's such a hard thing to describe, but we yeah. all have the same similar same feeling, feeling about it. Yeah. And everybody's coming from a different place, whether it be healing or whether it be just, you know, what your lifestyle and what your life choice is. But it's like right. when you're out there, you all feel the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's that disconnect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And, it, and, it's so, and I think some people are, are I don't know, you, know you, you look at Instagram these days and you really wonder what people's motives are behind why they hunt. And I know you've had a lot of conversations with Cole on your sheep hunt. About, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, he, did he give you that? Yeah. <laughs> I can tell yeah, you, he, I he can tell I, you a majority of the motivations for, for He that. and I got into yeah. it one night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've Kevin. Kind of, I want to hear you out. but Yeah. No, man, it's just to me, it's I, I'm not out there for – and we, me and Brady have talked about it too. Like, why are we out there hunting deer? Why are you chasing the deer you chase? And I think anybody can go out there. And I, no knock at anybody that's out there shooting forking horns, but I, for me, I know I can go out there and I can shoot a forking horn on the first, first morning or, or immature yeah. animal. And to me, it's, it's, I'm saving that for the last day. And, and I don't kill a whole bunch of big animals at all by any means, but I, I like the longevity of the hunt. I'm going to try. I want to take a mature animal. I don't, I don't care if it's. You know, I've never shot a 200-inch deer. I've never shot a 400-inch elk, but I'm dang, I'm dang sure trying, right? Yeah. I'm going to put the mm-hmm. effort into it and try. Um, and if I fall short, I fall short. And I think we get so caught up in the, oh, hey, you know, you can't talk about failures. You can't you can't talk about, you know, your hunt was a fail because not every hunt's a fail. Every hunt's a success because yeah. it's memories made. And I'm like, I don't really look at it like that. I kind of look at it. If I don't go out there and accomplish what I set out to do, I failed. And I'm cool with failing and I'm cool with talking about failing because to me, failure is that thing that what did I do wrong? Why didn't I kill that deer? I want? Yeah. Why didn't I kill that elk I want? Um, and it just kind of goes into the whole mental game of it all of I'd rather fail and know why I didn't do that. So that next time I have now a better chance. I'm not out there for sunset photos or you know memories because <laughs> yeah. you're going to have those either uh, way. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, I, yeah, it's just to me, hunting is such a mental game for me and not a middle game as in like, you know, I'm trying to be better than anybody or show every, it's literally me and me, yeah, me exactly. and that animal and me and my mental healing and my mental state and yep. just kind of learning from it all and just trying each time to get better and better. Yeah. Yeah, what did uh, I'm curious? What did Cole have to say to you about my discussion with him about? about <laughs> no, so we we talked we talked exactly that, like I'm, social I'm media. I'm interested like, in your take in social media. What do you think it is for hunting? What do you good, bad, man, indifferent? I, it's it's the life we live in now for sure. I, I think if you you can't totally disconnect from it, mm-hmm. um, but I, I do question people's motives with it a lot. 
I think yeah. there's a lot of people that are just trying to join the hunting industry because whatever previous industry they were in were, were, didn't pan out for them or, mm. you know, they, they just see it as something to, to jump into. And people are like, well, why did you want to start an outfitter? Why do you guide? And I'm like, well, because I like sharing this with people, right? I like, I like to give someone else the same opportunity that I've had. And nobody taught me how to hunt. Nobody helped me hunt. Nobody hold, held my hand. So I am still hard on, I think, you know, you should, you should walk through it and learn yourself. But I think it's really important to introduce people to this game and to, to the, the wild and because we need that, right? We need everybody we can to, to, totally to keep agree. this thing going. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is connected to you personally on a personal level. Right. Like and he, that's what Cole and I talked about with you and his conversations with you is like what drives you personally? Mm -hmm. You know, is it so I can post this on social media or do you really want to kill that 185-inch buck and look at it every day because you enjoy deer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's weird where social media takes yeah. things. It does seem like there's probably a lot of people that if there wasn't social, they wouldn't be doing the things they're doing right now, yeah. which is crazy to think yeah. about. But I do look at some things and I'm like, are you really that into it? Or are you just into people congratulating you or the likes you see? Right, right. How many reels do we need of you shooting your bow in your backyard? Yeah, Without ever seeing an animal. Dude, it's yeah. the high school, the high school girl life. Right. It's, it's the gratification of the likes and the comments. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. I've kind of come to like, I don't know, I've had to look at this from two different sides because I think it's really hard for me to be honest because I hunt for the reasons that I hunt and somebody else might hunt for the reason that they hunt. And maybe their reason is to post an animal that they shot on social media yeah. for the dopamine of likes. Mm -hmm. likes yeah. And I've had to like internally I've wrestled with myself is my value. The thing that I hunt for is that of greater value than the value that they hunt for. And, and it isn't. I don't think it is. No, it no. I don't think it is at all. No, so I totally it's, agree. It's really hard for me yeah. to look. I mean, I hear that a lot. I hear a lot of people be like, well, that person hunts for the wrong reasons. I'm like, well, you know, are the reasons. What's their reason? To, yeah. What's yeah. their reason? And right. is their reason any less than or greater than my exactly. reason? Which, right. you know, very I, good point. I Two think, things can always be true. Yeah, at once. I, I think <laughs> a lot of us, we get that like. My, myself included, like that holier, you know, than thou, like, well, yeah. I'm, I'm hunting for the right reasons. You're not hunting for the right reasons. But reality is that person may just, just enjoy it, going out there, taking fancy photos of their bow and yeah, not ever shooting. anything. It's interesting. And I've had to, I mean, I wrestle with that internally a lot. I look at that from, I try to look at it from both sides. I'm like, you know, is my, my reason greater than theirs? Right. And I don't think that it is. It's, I may not, I don't think I also have to relate to it. Yeah. I think just because their reason is different than mine, I don't think that I have to like relate really, to yeah, it. Yeah. I, I mean, I might not get it. I probably never will get it, but like, you know, it I, is. I think I keep coming back and settling on the ethics portion of it, right? Yeah. And education. That's and, me. And when you fall back on being an outfitter, being a guide, even being in the military, right? I believe in authenticity. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that everyone, you're on display. Whether you want to be or not, when yeah. you're on social media, you're on display. Somebody's always watching. What yeah. are you putting out there, right? Are you educating people properly? Because the hunting industry has a really hard time and a really big problem with putting some bad stuff out there, right? And every time some bad stuff goes out there, that puts us all back, uh, whether as a community as a whole, right? So if you've got some guy out there who's got 50,000 followers and promoting themselves, but they're not really promoting proper education, they're really not promoting the right story, that's where I kind of start to have an issue with that um, because I think we're all stewards of, of what we're yeah. doing here. We're all stewards of the hunting industry, of, of wildlife biology, of hunting management. And I think, I think that's where I have a hard time, right, is, and I, and I say, like, to Trail's point, there's no one way better than the other. However, I think when you're putting bad information and bad education and disinformation out there, I think you're causing a detriment to us. 100%. Yep. And, and that's, that's, where, that's where I fall. Like, yeah. two things can be true at once, right? Like, right. Yeah. 
motives can be different. That's totally fine. I, and I'm good with that. Right. I like trail said, I don't necessarily align with it and I never will, yeah. but like, Hey, if you're out there, your dollars are going to conservation and tags and good applications, like all, all for it. What yeah. it comes down to with everybody's different reason and purpose for hunting is as long as the ethics and morals fall into the same common ground, then it's who cares beyond yeah, that's, that. Right? That's like, where I all that's motivations, right. all purpose for hunting. Do what you do what you need to do to be out there hunting yeah. and, and and doing it. But as long as we're all You're playing in the, the right same box of, right. of of that moral compass, as yeah. long as we're all right there, then who cares beyond and that? I, and I say that a lot. Me and Cole talk about that a lot, right? Speak from experience, not theory. Yeah. Um, don't sit here and teach somebody how to do a particular style of hunt or hunt a particular animal if you haven't killed yeah. that animal or haven't yeah. hunted that animal. To me, that, that puts a lot of bad messaging out there. Because there's people who are genuinely trying to learn, right? And when you, when you hit that social media line, you don't know the difference between who's legit and who's not legit and who to learn from. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Entirely. I feel like that that's, that's really important. It goes into the whole ethics of why rules are made, why laws are made, why muzzleloaders are now restricted in New Mexico. With open. It, it all flows into it because what's being put out there. Yeah. Uh, who, who's drawing that line of ethics on what they're doing or what they're saying. So I don't know. Not only to get on a tangent of social no, media. It's, good, no, it's a good tangent and yeah. I agree with you. I just I'm I'm with you in that rules and regs need to be followed regardless. Right. You know? Yeah. That, Purpose why. can be different. Rules yeah. and regs and moral compass cannot be different. <laughs> yeah. Those all gotta fall in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I do appreciate every now and then when you jump on your stories and you have a little <laughs> you kind of have a little rant, but it's yeah. not like a rant. It's like you're just being true to your heart and like the way you say things, like you just explain about being real, being true, like it comes off and I'm like, yeah. This guy gets it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I try to be authentic, man. I mean, we've all made mistakes in life. I, I'm, I don't know that I've ever made a mistake, you know, when it comes to following hunting laws. That's, that's not something that anybody needs to you be You probably making. have. I probably have. We all probably yeah. have. There's I mean, wild laws out there. But, yeah, but it's like saying I've never broke a law driving. <laughs> Reality no, I'm pretty sure I've broke, I broke quite laws a few laws, laws driving. driving. The reality yeah. is you try to, though. Yeah. 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 I, just, I think so many people try and hide all that, though. Yeah. Right? Um, they, they Shit try happens. Yeah. yeah. We, all, we all, I fucked up a bunch. We all make mistakes in life. And yeah. I, I don't, I don't they, to your point with social media, when I put stuff out there, I, I don't, I just like throwing it out there, man. You're either going to like me for who I am or. That's how no, I am. I, and being completely honest, this is why I had to get off of social. I just, I can't stand it. I've, I've never been a social person just in general. I'm right, definitely right. like more of a quiet guy kind of standing Same, in the back. Yeah. So like the social life is just completely not who I, you know what I mean? It doesn't align with who I am. So I'm, I'm off it for all those reasons. Like right. I just, I can't, it's I can't be in that man. world. It's it. a different world. It is yeah. truly like I check in on go hunts stuff and yeah. all, right. obviously I, yeah. I want to and have to. Um, but it, man, it is, it is two entirely different worlds. And then but. here's, here's the crazy thing. Like we talked about, I don't know, one of the podcasts way back in the day about like ethics of shooting and long range, this or that, and it comes down to how many of these people are just sitting around on their phones all the time, burning their days, burning their time Yeah. when they could be out there practicing, they could be mm -hmm. out there shooting their, their craft. Yeah. They could be out there shooting their rifle. They could be dialing their arrow setup in. they could be figuring out where the broadheads shoot great. What, what? works and what doesn't work work on yeah. glassing techniques but instead they're glued to social media looking at stuff that doesn't mean anything to them in the big scheme of things of life and they're wasting all that time like oh i don't have time to do this well you do if you didn't spend two hours right. a day yeah look at your look screen at your time yeah. <laughs> like literally know. if what you want in life you can just make a little bit of sacrifices to go out there and be better at your craft but yeah. people aren't willing we're to do all, it because i mean we're all guilty of it uh, oh for sure. super guilty of how many times sunday, how many times on, on a hunt day when i get my screen report <laughs> yeah. i'm like holy shit yeah dude. i could have done so many other things yeah and every time I tell myself I'm going to get better at it, phone screen time's same. Yeah, the, the worst is when you're out hunting and you get to the top of a knob. What do you do? 
you first turn off, thing. You turn off airplane mode. Yeah. And, oh, and then you might be looking through text. And then you might be jumping on Instagram. When you everyone does it. Deer. Yeah, yeah, everyone does it. You're <laughs> out there hunting, but you're tempted. Yeah. Everyone does it. Even I do it. Man, yeah. it, it's... I wonder in the, in the next few decades or so what they're going to come out with as far as cognitive decline because of social media. Oh, I think it's already here. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it every day, uh, just interactions with people. Well, yeah. What was I listening to the other day? I was like this chat GPT stuff. You guys been kind of following oh, yeah, on new releases? About no, what's chat that? What's it again? Chat, chat GPT. AI. Yeah. Artificial a, intelligence. Yeah. The one that I thought was interesting is that it passed the bar exam. Yeah, it, I put it on my it phone just to like mess with it. It'll write. It'll write. So if you're a college student right now and you had to write a paper, it'll entirely write your paper. Okay, this might. Be, so I did a podcast yesterday with Dave Brinker, and he was, I think, t- slightly talking about this. He said some guy said he wants to create a website that does this. It does that sort of thing, and he plugged it in, and this little AI thing built his exact website that he envisioned without him having to do any of the work. Yeah. Just like can, that easy. Yeah. Well, it's chat GPT crazy. is, it's also open. Like you can just go use it. You could, you can huh. go I, I, ask I downloaded it to this do one, anything. chat AI. Yeah. And man, you can just ask some weird stuff. It'll, you guys know who Lex Friedman is? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lex, Lex Friedman has a lot of podcasts on chat GPT. Anyway. So what do you mean when you're asking it something? Is it giving you like an answer back yeah, and you can like Yeah, like you it? can say, write me a paragraph about the civil war and the voice of Brady Miller. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll... It'll pull all the information out, and so this is, this scares me a little bit. And the uh, since I'm in the editorial world, like yeah. the people oh, yeah. are just going to start just using this yeah. to write articles about stuff Sorry, I really don't, really don't know about. <laughs> just I'm just going to start spewing <laughs> off all this elk knowledge that I don't have, and like have this AI thing yeah. write a bunch yeah. of badass elk articles, yeah. even though I didn't know nothing about elk hunting. That's it. I guess we're going elk hunting permanent. Yeah, <laughs> you're here first in the field. Uh, huh. um, anyway, yeah, we got off topic, but I wanted to go back. There was something you said I I just wanted to ask you about was like to. I'm interested what I don't think a lot of people I mean you're from you guys are from Nevada I'm from Utah I think we have a pretty good beat on like hunting culture within our states yeah. you know Utah's got a pretty you know good hunting culture especially when it comes to mule deer but what's it like you said New Mexico everybody hunts everybody hunts really yeah. it's really cool yeah you just it's what you do like this it's a hunting culture there in New Mexico yeah, it's just, yeah elk I mean elk's the thing by far the thing everybody gotcha. wants to go hunt elk elk, elk in the Gila man do you <laughs> I mean, growing up in New Mexico and being familiar with that, like, do you guys apply out of states? Are you guys looking? Oh, no, I apply at all the all the other states. Okay. Do you yeah. think that's a common thing? Though? Yeah, I was no, wondering. No, no, no. they're no. all in state. Most, all in state. Mostly in most, state, most yeah. New Mexico residents are. I'm not trying to bash my my crowd here, but I would say they're not the most educated group of folks. Um, <laughs> when it, and, and I don't mean that. Yeah. Just, yeah. No. It, you know, they, they, if they just draw a New Mexico elk tag or, or a deer tag or oryx or something like that, they're good to go. They don't really look out elsewhere. And as as a resident there, and you're all your friends, do you guys like the random side of the draw? I no do. points. Absolutely. Do you think everyone else yeah. collectively like they love that system? Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest, right now, I'm, I'll, I'll, as an outfitter, we have the outfitter pool, and everybody loves that. I, I wish it would go away. To be honest, I wish really? the outfitter pool would go away. Really? Yep. Why is that? Uh, I, I, just, I think there would be a better opportunity for more non-resident tags um, if we were more structured like Arizona, or, per se, or something like that, or we were like an 85-15 split, Yeah. or you know, a 90-10. I, I don't even need 90-10. I think 85-15 would be cool. Um, and then there's that much more tags, and if you just draw as a non-resident, you draw as a non-resident, and then you go hire an outfitter from mm. there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting. New yeah. Mexico, if you look at it from this, because I write those app strategy articles, if you look at New Mexico from the standpoint of a resident, your odds are really good. Really good. You guys have really good odds, and mm-hmm. especially the way the system is set up where you get three choices and all three are considered before right. your application moves to the next guy. Right. But I mean, you guys it's have 84 percent. You have yeah. legit, really good resident odds. I don't think that people think about New Mexico in terms of hunting opportunity, mostly because a lot of us are non-residents. But yeah. like residents in New Mexico, you guys have phenomenal chances to hunt. We do. And, and there's some issues with, you know, the E plus system. And I'm not going to. That's a whole podcast. That's itself, a can of worms. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm not going to get onto that. But there is a whole, you know, a lot of uproar about the way that the, the elk tags are allocated in New mm-hmm. Mexico as far as resident goes. But my my, I, th- I think DIY non-residents are getting screwed over in New Mexico. I really do, and I, I would like to see, you know, the DIY guy get more yeah. of an opportunity. I think that's becoming more and more of a case in a lot of in yeah. most of the states, though. Yeah, it is. It is yeah, sadly. Uh, like I said, I'm not against the outfitter pool. We're an outfitter. We would definitely benefit from it, but I also would like to just see a straight up like 85, 15 percent. Yeah, draw. It's good to hear call? that from you. Yeah, yeah. Cool, perse- cool perspective. What do you like yeah. about outfitting? Oh, helping people. I really do. I, I like being able to help somebody accomplish something that they maybe couldn't do on their own. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really cool. Like, And it's days in the field getting paid for. It, it is, yeah. Awesome. You're, you're making money doing what you enjoy doing. Um, and and I'll, I'll talk about, about Hollywood Mike for a minute. Uh, this is a buddy of Cody and, and I's, and I think you guys have met Mike before. Yep. You guys got um, sweet nicknames. Hollywood Mike, uh, yeah. Ryan the Creature. Ryan the Creature. <laughs> Brady, oh, you're Mule Deer Jesus. Mule Deer Jesus. Yeah. yeah, I don't have one, but anyway. Nah, I don't like it. <laughs> it's not sticking. Uh, so, like, you know, seeing Mike shoot his first antelope this year was, was pretty awesome. And Cody can attest to that. Just the – you're talking a guy that lives in Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. No real exposure hunting. Cody got him into hunting. Cody, you know – He's here. He's hunting. He's a hunter now because of Cody. Um, just kind of talking to him and explaining to him that. And then for us to sit there and watch him shoot his first animal, I was like, man, this is why I do this. Because this dude's like, I, he told me he's like, in this moment right now, as I'm as I'm touching this antelope, I want to do this the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. He's like, there was just something. Isn't it crazy this. how common that? Yeah, that is, yeah. You hear it over and over. That's how, that's how you know it's so special. Yeah. And, and it was, we were in northeastern New Mexico and out in the grasslands out there, and he's just like, this is peaceful. This is, you know, this is, this is it. And he yeah. went on Cody's elk hunt, and he had a blast on Cody's elk hunt. And that, that I think, is why I do it. Because um, you get those people that are like, this is, I, wow. Yeah, they start to really get your passion. Yeah. And that becomes their passion. And they're like, I, now I see why this means so much to you, because mm-hmm. now I'm yeah. here. I just experienced it myself. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think that's cool. That's really cool. Uh, no, I, of, of course, you don't. Every client's not an awesome client, but yeah, yeah. you know what? For the we, what I so listening to a lot of Joe Rogan, just like the rest of the world. So there's nothing different here, right? But not a different uh, uh, thought on this, but so it's crazy. Like for me, when I hear him talk about it, and I hear these guys like you know Mike's story yeah. right here, you hear about guys doing it for the first time in their adult age that are able to like feel that for the first time. One of the things I think we take for granted all the time growing up hunting, grown since we were kids, learning from our dads, this whole thing. Like we don't we don't take for granted that there is this like innate human thing that we're tapping into. Right. Like as an adult, when you when you're grown up your whole life and you've hit adult maturity and your perspective of life is there. And then all of a sudden you get thrown into like this this true primal thing right. that we definitely have in our bodies. It just hasn't been like 
lightened up yet, right? Like you listen to Rogan talk about this and it's like, he had that and he's such a cerebral smart guy to talk about it. But like he, you know, he talks about when he first did it, he's like, oh, like there's this thing in me that's like, that wants this, like that makes this a thing that makes it real. It's like an an entirely different experience when you have that as an adult, like Hollywood Mike, as opposed for us. Like, I don't remember having that because we've been doing it for so long, that perspective at least. But I definitely have the the one thing that I, I mean, it's, it's refreshing to hear it though, from a, from an adult onset hunter, because then it kind of reprograms like, Oh, that is that feeling I have. Like, that's what it is. And it is like when I'm out there looking for an animal, finding the animal, killing it, butchering it, taking it home. Like that is that, that thing that we have inside of us, that primal thing that just lights up in that moment. It's like, that is the thing we were programmed to do. Yeah. And and I think it, it's being the person pulling the trigger changes a lot of things, right? Because oh, my yeah. kid gone on hunts. He, he filmed the hunt for you guys, and he went on Cody's hunt. And it wasn't until he pulled the trigger yep. and watched death transpire to such an awesome-looking animal. like, yeah. And he was the well, cause Well, the responsibility of, that. of you letting that bullet go and whatever happens right. afterwards yeah, you, is you on you. You can't call that bullet back. Yeah. You yeah, can't. That's on and you. so it's, there is a... There's a transitionary period when you pull that trigger from you know being exposed to hunting, going on a hunt. That's yeah. one thing. But when you pull that trigger or release that arrow, yeah, when you're the one, it's you. It's different. Yeah, you just did that, and and I think that's that's really freeing for some people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think my first deer I ever killed, I remember having that moment. Like mm-hmm. I shot this two point from 85 yards. Two two points fighting together. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> They, two picked, studs. they picked their heads up, and I was <laughs> like, studs. yep, that's the one. <laughs> and I spined it, and I dumped it. But I remember being really excited up until the point I walked up to it, and I could see it laying there dead. And, like, I had this, like, oh, shit moment. Like, yeah. I remember that very, I rem- very I re- vividly. I don't, I don't feel that every time now. Sometimes I still do. But, like, I definitely remember vividly that yeah. moment. Like, I remember I it. That. I just wasn't mature enough to understand, yeah. like, oh, this is – this yeah. is it. Yeah, like, yeah and, I, and I wondered the, the maturity yeah. thing you talk about. I wanted, So my son, he was six when he shot his pronghorn. Hmm. Yeah. And when I walked up to that animal with him to watch his reaction, it, that that one got me. That was harder than any of my first animals or anything like that. Like, it was just like, did I, as a parent, as an adult, did I lead him through this properly? What's in his mind right now as a six-year-old yeah. when he just shot this antelope doe? Yeah. Does he really grasp what he just did? And I think he did. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it really hit him. And he was, you know, he's asking to be put in for antelope again this year. Um, but, yeah, it was it, in that moment, as soon as you walk up to that dead animal, it's, it's just kind of like this surreal feeling of, yeah. Hell, yeah, I'm a hunter, man. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm meant to do. It's what, yeah, it's you what know, you're it, supposed to I'm, do. It's what, what we're what programmed to do. Yeah. Yep. It's yep. crazy. At what age? You got kids. Yep, three. Three. And, what, and you said six? Did yeah, you? he was six. He, so he's 11 now, but he was six when he shot yeah, his first I've time. wrestled with this quite a bit with yeah. my three kids. Like, what is the proper age to get my kid into hunting? Like, right. at what maturity level do I feel like they're capable of, like, grasping this Understanding the responsibility of yeah. taking a life. And yeah. he's a pretty mature kid, and he was then. And so in New Mexico, there's no, there's no minimum age for youth. You just have to pass hunter safety. Yep. Yeah. So he took hunter safety at six years old. We just, you know, we, we talked about it. We, we went down to the game of fish. I was like, do you want to take this? And he was like, yeah. Because he, you know, always asking questions about animals bringing home. I'm like, well, let's go take hunter safety. So got him in hunter safety. He took that. Um, the Probably the next youngest kid in there was probably 12 years old, 10 years old. Really? Um, so he's sitting there as a six-year-old taking the, the – and, you know, New Mexico is cool because you do it there. There's game wardens there. There's volunteers there. And I didn't help him on – they have to take a written test. Yeah, and I said – I just sat there with him. <laughs> 
he did it. I didn't say a word. He, he wrote through the pamphlet. He, he took the test and he passed. And it was right before the draw. And I, I remember telling him, like, hey, do you, do you want to put in for the draw? Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, I want to do that. So um, put in for the, I put him in for some really top tier premium antelope tags. And all I put him in for is antelope because, you know, we yeah. really enjoy antelope. And so he, he drew a doe tag. And yeah. the unit, what a good hunt for a kid, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. It's and perfect it was hunt. cool because he, he drew his doe tag in the unit that I killed my first ever antelope in when, when I was younger. Um, and he ended up shooting his doe probably, I don't know, a few hundred yards from where I shot my first antelope. <laughs> that's, awesome. that's a wild, cool story. Yeah, yeah so I was like, awesome. yeah, this is, it, it like meant a lot to me. It was, it was really cool. And he, he shot a little 6.5 Creed more and got set up, and it was just awesome. He had yeah. a good time. And, then of course I, I drug him out into the OTC and took him all dead hunting. <laughs> Let him see later. the real side of it. Yeah, I was like, Here we go. We're gonna we're gonna do yeah. it for real. And he he missed he missed probably six or seven times on a U. Hmm. She was probably only two hundred yards, but that's when he was like, okay, this this is not this is real. This yeah. Is hard. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I got a three year old, and that's like to your guys's point, to your point, Trail. I I I want to take him hunting as soon as right. possible. I mean, there's no question about it. But then I also in the back of my mind, I'm okay when. When is right? Like, I know I want to do this for him, but when mm-hmm. is he going to understand what he's doing? Right. You know, like, not that you're out there having fun, because obviously it's it's fun, oh, yeah. you know? But, like, when you understand you're behind the gun, about ready to make a lethal move towards something, like, it's yep. different, you know, yep. to, to understand that that. Yeah, I think it's different moment. for every kid, too. Yeah. And I took my oldest when he was 12. Um, my second one's 13. He hasn't hasn't hunted yet. My, my youngest is 10. And he keeps asking. He he knows that in New Mexico he can apply. Yeah. When, and I keep. I'm like, I don't know, bud. You're you know, you're probably not. I don't know if you're quite ready yet. But well, I, you know, ten, twelve. I think it's it's interesting. It's a. I think it's a worthwhile discussion. And, and like is, I said, yeah. every yeah. kid every kid's a little bit different. I don't think mine's quite ready yet, but he'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't pressure him at all. It yeah. Was, every time it's just like, hey, do you want to do? What do you think? Yeah. What uh, makes yeah. you think he's not ready? If you don't mind me asking. Um. He just. I want him to like. I, I don't know if like he's. I don't know. This is a hard question to answer. I guess I just don't know that he could. F- him personally, I don't know if he's like fully ready to like grasp the whole concept of like life, death. Um, you know, walk up on an animal that is dead. Like my oldest kid, and I think maybe just by the nature of like he's the oldest. You know, he's mm-hmm. my first kid. We treated him. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's just like us, you know, I mean, he heard us talk all the time. He heard adults all the time and, you know, he didn't have little brothers to, you know, grow up and like have that whole experience. But I, I just, there's just something, I just don't think he's quite ready yet. I don't know. To grasp. Yeah. Just, just a vibe. I just want him like when he goes out there, I want him to be old enough to, you know, be able to kind of handle the landscape and like, you know, be able strong enough to like handle a rifle if he needs, you know, not fully, but you know, to like shoot a rifle, feel comfortable with it. So that's part of it. And then, yeah, I just want him to fully grasp the the complete concept of like this animal was living and breathing. This animal is now dead due to your, you know, your hand and we're going to butcher it and take it home and we're going to eat it. And that's the process. And I want, I don't know, maybe even that's a stretch for a 12 year old, but like, I think, I just want him to be a little bit older to maybe yeah. fully grasp that. Well, so with my son, what I can, I mean, granted he's only three, so I could be talking like a complete idiot here, but what I see in him is he is like overly gung ho mm-hmm. and he's overly just wants to mm-hmm. go do it. And that is the motivation instead of just like the, right. the moment, the, the entirety of the moment itself, which is, I think, you know, when I look at him and want to take him hunting as soon as possible in New Mexico and all this shit, like where I see him, 
falling short is just on the back end of it. If yeah, to be gung ho because your dad does it and you watch your dad do it all this stuff. Right. Yeah, but the maturity level of understanding I, the entirety of the moment, I could see him just being a way too gung ho about it yeah. and falling short on. That's where my third kid. That's where. Moment, he, that's where he know? is. He, he yeah. wants to go because his dad goes, he, you know, he sees animals, he sees yeah. hero mounts in my basement and stuff like that. And I think he wants to go and he's motivated by that, which I don't know if it would ever change for him, but I, I want him to be at least more aware of the entire experience as a whole yeah. versus just like gung ho about it. You yeah. know? Whereas my oldest kid, I mean, he was 12 and I, I, I look back on that experience. I took him to Wyoming. We hunted antelope as well and he shot an antelope and then. He, he reminded me the other day, like five days later, he shot his first mule deer and he kind of did that all on his own. Like my wife, <laughs> I had taken my wife, my wife actually had scoped herself, missed the buck that awesome. he ended up shooting. But <laughs> yeah. I remember like he was 12 and he walked over by himself to the edge of this drainage while I was trying to help her. And, you know, he got down, got prone, got his shooting sticks, you know, his legs out and everything and, and made the shot on his own. That's cool. Which at that yeah. point I was like, yeah, this is this was the right time for him. Right, right. So, yeah. Do, do you think I don't have kids? So I don't really know. But I just go off my prior experience. Like, do you think Not yet. How many first dates? Do you think it's easier to do like small game first and like maybe some upland waterfall? Because yeah. like I started my hunt like squirrels, mm-hmm. worked my way up to different things, started waterfall hunting you know, trapping and all that stuff before I did big games. So it was a bit easier transition knowing the life and death, like you said, right. yeah. before you jump into something giant, like an right. antelope mm-hmm. or a deer. I have a like, different perspective on that, actually, though. Is it easier going the other way, maybe? Uh, yeah. So my, relate my, more to a bigger animal? My thought on that is anybody on planet Earth can kill an ant, a spider, yeah. this, or that, and, and be compl- entirely disconnected yeah. of the moment of life and death that just happened on account yeah. of you, on what you just did, right? And I think you get you can get further disconnected on that small stuff, man. Right? Like, yeah, because you, you, you don't respect like further, a coyote yeah, as much yeah, as you yeah, would. Yeah, yeah. So what's hard, really man. what's really interesting to me about like antis specifically is like, man, they can go spray raid in their house and all that. Yeah. It's the a life is a life, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, one is a nuance and annoying and whatever, and one is like prettier. You can't deny that, right? Like yeah. a living giant animal in the mountains is right. prettier than the ant in your basement. I get it. But it is still like the action of life and death. And I think when you, if you do that on that small scale, like I, you can just get so disconnected from what you did or what you are doing, right? So I, like in my life getting older, like I'm, I'm in the stage of my life getting older right now where if a grasshopper's in my pool drowning, like I tell my son, let's go help him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I don't know. It's just, it's something I, because I'm, I'm understanding of the other side of what I do, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like there is that moment of, life and death on account of, of, of you personally. And if you get disconnected and disconnected from it, like then as a kid, you do that too often as a kid. That's what I'm nervous about with my son. Right, right. So I don't yep. want to take him in the backyard right. shooting pigeons. That makes and, a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, as you I, say that, I'm sitting here right now thinking about every squirrel and rabbit I killed yeah. as a kid. And I'm like, I don't know that I ever took yeah, two seconds I don't, to think I don't, about yeah, my exactly. life. It makes sense what you're saying. Yeah, I, like, so that's why I, I appreciate out, it. I live out in the, in the, like surrounded by BLM. I've got Eurasian doves. I've got pigeons. We could go out there and shoot stuff all day long, but I don't want them to get used to that. Like I don't want them to be disconnected from what we're doing, right? Like that animal is now done because of, because of us. Right. I want his first experience to be like monumental. So he can now understand, you know, that grasshopper in the pool. That's, that's an animal too. Right. Like, are we going to help him or let him drown kind of a thing? I killed a lot as a kid. Like I killed a lot of rabbits, a lot of sparrows. I mean, all kinds of birds, but I do remember my dad just continually 
harping on that message. Like you just took a life. Yeah. You know, think about it. You just took a life, you know? And like, he was always, always on me about that. I, I definitely, and that's something I try to pass on my kids, you know, yeah, if, we good go, parenting. if we go out rabbit hunting, you know, you're going to eat it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talk about it, you know, Hey, you just killed, killed an animal. It's not completely yeah. just nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Serious. I do think there's, I mean, in, in killing, I mean, I do think you brought it up. Like, do you take your kids out hunting small game? I think it's a good I- idea. I mean, just in terms of like handling a firearm, safety. Mm-hmm. For that side, you know, for tar- sure. Yeah, for that no side, tar- target acquisition, that kind of thing. So yeah. anyway. I, I'm not saying I have my <laughs> mind made on that, by yeah. the way. But like with my son, I look at him every day and I'm like, that. this is what I'm struggling with, right? Like, yeah. do we go in the backyard and go? I think it's all in the messaging. Yeah, yeah, right. But when is he old enough to understand what I'm, yeah, what I'm these three is, right yeah. now, right? Yeah, like he's yeah, going to yeah. be like, holy shit, this is fun. We're riding our four wheelers <laughs> shooting pigeons. This is awesome. <laughs> like, I, I want him that to be able to. That does sound awesome. Let's yeah, go. Right? <laughs> I want him to be able Where's to understand. Invite? What are we doing? Hey, come uh, over. Yeah. Come over. Um, but yeah, it's like I go back and forth on it all, all the time, you know, all the time. You guys want to talk about muzzle loaders? Yeah, absolutely. I'm ready to learn. Brady, honestly, yeah, yeah, let's geek out on some muzzles. I can tell Brady's like checking his watch. He's well, the like, thought. Well, I, I also have March Madness up on my computer, so if I oh, can disconnect a little bit. Watching TV? Going on right no, now? I've been up watching the updates on the games. Is there any upsets right now? Uh, Close yeah, number, two upsets. Uh, what was it? Uh, who was the 14 seed? I was looking at earlier. <laughs> This is such a fun oh, oh yeah, a fun USBC time. is up on Baylor at halftime. Ooh. Oh, Baylor. 14-3 upset, potentially. Who's nice. USBC? University of Santa Barbara. Oh, Santa Barbara, yeah. 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 California, Santa Barbara. Yeah, oh, that's it. That's um, it. But really, this is the, the podcast, this one specifically, is for these muzzleloaders, right? Muzzleloaders, yeah. yeah. New that's, that's why we had the man, change. the myth, the legend, yeah. Ryan the Creature here. Oh, boy. I must have muzzled. Muzzleloaders. You so know, we, honestly, I never liked muzzleloaders, and then yeah, I just kind of became something that. Why? Yeah. What's what's, I, what's I the allure? Just complete, just complete opportunity of education. the hunts that you can draw, or what? What was the driver of it? Uh, so my buddy Jim um, was looking at stuff, and we were we were. I was just probably 2015, 2016. We were scouring uh, draw odds on Go Hunt, and like, man. And we could draw a lot of stuff if we just started using muzzleloaders. Uh, and he was familiar with muzzle, muzzleloaders. I had never shot a muzzleloader. I'd never even messed with one. Yeah. Really, really never had any interest in it. Um, was really kind of scared of them, if I'm being honest. I'm a very methodical guy, very very detail-oriented, very step-by-step dude. And I was honestly just kind of scared of a muzzleloader. I was like, you know, I, I don't want to blow my face off, blow my fingers off. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that I trust these things. And, of course, the muzzleloaders back then were... We're not what's sitting right in and front everybody, of us. And everybody has a story about right. a muzzleloader. My yeah. brother just about blew his thumb off yeah. with a muzzleloader. Yeah, double-loaded? Uh, yeah, it was handed a double-loaded gun. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, so, like, everyone's got a story, you know what I mean? And so right. it's not crazy when people think, like, oh, it's a, you know, I don't want any of this shit to happen to right. me, right? And then there's real no, like, I mean, aside from Jim Shockey, I couldn't think of anybody else that's a big muzzleloader <laughs> yeah. guy, right? Like, yeah. uh, good old the Jim. OG Jim Shockey. Yeah. I remember OG, watching those videos man. way back in the day. Just mm. the absolute stud, and still today, just <laughs> right. an absolute stud. Yeah. Right, OG. so it was always just like, oh, man, that's what the old dudes do with the muzzleloaders, right? And just never really thought anything of it. And then we, we started seeing what potential we had with drawing tags with muzzleloaders, and I'm like, all right, cool. So, think, yeah, that's the big one, right? So, so just quickly, I pulled up some stats here. So we're talking about New Mexico a little bit. Yeah. So New Mexico, I'm on filtering 2.0 <laughs> on Go Hunt right now. I just have muzzleloader pulled up, draw odds of 36% or better. 
we have potential for 23 units yep. at 36 or better. Species. Uh, mule deer, of okay. course. <laughs> like, why would I go anywhere else? To and then you go over to rifle side, 36% or better, 11 units. Yep. And you can see how that could like definitely change as I, I could probably crank that up even higher percentage on muzzleloader and still get, you know, better chance to right. draw some of these tags yeah, rather absolutely. than rifle. And that's across a lot of the states in the West. Like you want to pick up a muzzleloader, you can open the door to hunting more often. Then mm -hmm. you can, like I always say, you can hone your craft yeah. of hunting that species. You're going to start to be really proficient with the muzzleloader. Right. And you might see a lot more success. Right. Because yes. you're willing to just drop Maximize it down a little your bit. Opportunity. Yeah. That's really all it came down to for me and Jim was... How yeah. can we kill more shit? My draw yeah. for a muzzleloader is, exa is exactly that. Yeah. In Nevada, like hunting archery here, August opens August 10th every year, open on the same day. And you will you see some deer, right? But hunting a lot of this stuff down here south, like with yeah. a bow, it's not it's not great, right? right? Yeah. Then you start looking into, man, how can I get a little more opportunity to kill but still have opportunity to draw tags in my home state? And that's where my mind started to transition mm -hmm. heavily into muzzleloader. Because yeah. Yeah. if you don't hunt... I mean, what are you doing? Like, you're just yeah. going to sit there and not hunt for seven years as you keep waiting, or are you going to pick up a more primitive weapon and get out there and hunt? Yeah. Yeah. And let's face it, I mean, it's muzzler technology. Well, the, yeah, the hard thing, that's look, not being a pro like yeah. you two in anything shooting, like you three in anything shooting, archery and rifle and muzzler, you know, muzzlers do have kind of a, uh, like, state by state gets a little more, um, yeah, the rules and regs are yeah, different. Yeah, it gets a little more intimidating, right? Because it, it you start looking confusing. at like, dude, it, it, and you start, you know, morals and, and yeah, yeah, the moral so. compass, like not breaking any laws and rules. Right. It's like when you, I remember when I was first getting into this, right, when I was uh, newly out of college is when I started picking up a muzzleloader. And you start crossing state lines and you're going, holy shit, like am I, okay, I need a setup for Colorado and I need a setup, setup for Idaho, Nevada. Yeah. I need a setup for for New Mexico, Utah, shit, it's basically a rifle, right? Like It's legit a single-shot rifle. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> like at that point. So you start, like, and then it's this whole world to figure out. But, hey, at the same time, I was drawing more tags. So yep. yeah. it was just kind of one of those things I had to go figure and I, out. And I really... I'm proud of New Mexico for... I've gotten a lot of hate for this, right? Um, yeah, let's jump into this New Mexico launch. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of New Mexico for going this direction because they looked at it as... The harvest success, the success rate is too high on the muzzleloader yeah. tags. We're basically letting everybody out there with rifles. Um, and they, t they took it as we've got to change something or we're, we're going to lose here. Um, and, of course, who doesn't want to sit here with a muzzleloader with a night force on it? And yeah, so people are, are watching high, this. At the high level, what is the change, just so we're, we're clear here? So it went from basically more primitive, so no scopes, um, yeah. no magnification, just just open sides basically the same as nevada yep but um, before it was it, this right here is the this is what i shot my single shot rifle is essentially yep. what it was before yep basically uh yeah essentially a rifle so yep. you can have you can have like you said you have a giant people don't see you have a night force on there right now what yep. is it like a seven to it's a two by five by 20. yeah so you get uh, five by 20. 50 f1 i mean it's super clear it, it I, yeah, so I you can have as much. Thing, I feel like I'm behind a rifle. You can have unlimited magnification. And you have it doped for long range. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And you have a he has a turret system on his muzzleloader, so you can dial in exact yardage. Yeah, yeah. So the open sight system I have is the the Gunworks Revic XO. So obviously it's it's a dialable turret. And that's um, legal in that's, New Mexico. This is legal. Yeah. Yep. Um, Cody, would you shoot your bullet with this? It's like two, almost 280 yards, I think. So yeah. yeah, so Cody Nevada's his Nevada his, his bull Nevada had that bull. He shot it with it. this setup right here um, at two sixty, two seventy, yep. something like that. It hit it perfectly. How does that work? It's a peep sight. Yeah, it's basically so you got the front globe on the front. Uh, this is a um, uh, what's his name? 
Lee shaver, uh, and then it has a Lyman globe, or, you know, crosshairs inside of it. Okay. And it just goes on the front, and all you have to really do is mess with the windage on the front side, and then you do your elevation on the rear. So you dial the rear side. Yeah, with you dial, dial the rear, rear and that's essentially thing, like a peep, right? Yeah, that peep will raise up or and lower. It raises it up or... And it goes by MOA, and you just raise it up, and it, it raises you up. And what we were shooting, what, 550 yards open sights at the range? Now, I would never shoot an animal 500 plus yards with an open sight muzzle loader, but... Yeah, the difficult thing when you get to the open sights is you can hardly see your crosshairs correct, in the front. Yeah, like yeah your front globe. Yeah, morally, yeah, really, yeah, morally, and morally, you can't it's, tell where those... You can't tell where exactly. Like, yeah, they're on the animal, but right. where... The gun can shoot way better than you can actually shoot because you can't see well, yeah, the front just, globe. Yeah, biology, our eyes can't, yeah. can't figure that part out. But, and even with the scope, you got to be careful because, you know, with the scope on it, range, I've shot out to 700 yards. Um... But man, that changes when you get on an animal. And muzzle yeah. loaders are still—it's still a muzzle loader. Um, it still does muzzle loader things at long distance. Yeah. Uh, so my elk hunt this year, this past year in New Mexico, I—I didn't—I had a couple of not good shots using the scope, and I—I I learned some lessons there where, I man, I'm probably capping at 500 yards um, with this thing, even with the scope on it. I don't know that I'm going to shoot it past 500 yards on an animal. Even that's with the a scope. Long that's still um, yeah. muzzle talking muzzleloader <laughs> dates crazy. and tag yeah, yeah. opportunity, and you're still yeah. shooting that far. Holy shit. Yeah. So I, I think the change to open sights in New Mexico is, 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 is really honestly pretty good because what it's going to do, they came to this conclusion that the success rate is too high. We're either going to have to cut tags drastically or do something else. Um, so I feel like by going open sight, tag numbers are going to stay intact as, yeah. as they are right now. And then even the potential for how many animals are now going to survive with guys out there with open sights. And now there's big arguments in New Mexico with a lot of New Mexicans that, oh, you know, people are going to go out there and just pop shots with, with open sights now and wound a bunch of animals. And I said, well, now we're going back to the whole ethics thing, right? Yep. How is that any different than a scoped muzzleloader? Uh, if you've got a guy with a scoped muzzleloader, what's going to stop him from shooting 700 yards now? Yeah. Um, as yeah. opposed to yeah. now stretching it out with open sights. So to me, I don't see why that matters. Um, I don't really see the correlation in that change because ethics are ethics. Either you have them or you don't. Yeah. Um, That's that boat everybody needs to fall into. Right. And I believe they made that change around October of 2022 is when mm -hmm. that went in effect. And mm -hmm. it's going to be for the 2023 season. 2023 season. Yep. So I was able to, my deer tag in October this past year was the last time I'll ever be able to use a scope to muzzleloader in uh, New Mexico. And... Again, so many people are pissed and up in arms. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I'm happy for it because now I can see deer. I can see the the, the deer population rebounding a little yeah. better. Um, I look at draw odds too. Like, how many dudes are going to want to put in with an open sight muzzleloader? Now I might yep. get more tags. Opportunity, yeah, exactly. Way more. Absolutely. I, I have. I mean, my deer this year, I shot it at 212 yards with this scope setup. Um, so I, I can easily shoot 212 yards with my my open sights. So I, I'm like, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have changed any. It literally wouldn't have changed anything on that hunt. Yeah. yeah. Selfishly, I do wish the more Western states would just go to open sites. I do too. Especially like Utah. They even, even though, sure, it's fun, it's great, but again, it's a single shot rifle. It's supposed to be primitive. It. Primitive. It's right. supposed to be primitive. The, the, the tag quotas and season dates are for primitive, primitive. weapons. Mm -hmm. That's what, I mean, that's what it is. Right. And I'd love to see some more bigger, mature deer survive. Yep. You know, of and course. I, then I, when I have that tag, if it's open site, I'm hunting bigger deer. Of course. Yeah. I mean, and you're talking like in New Mexico, the, the muzzleloader elk hunts, man, they were the first week, first, second week of October. Bulls are still screaming. Yeah, they're still screaming. Yeah. You, do you really need a muzzleloader with a scope on it for an elk hunt? In, First week of October in New Mexico? No, not at all. If, if you can't get within 100 yards of a screaming bull in the first week of October, then maybe not so much worry about your weapon as much as your 
hunting skills. Hunting ability. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. otherwise, modern muzzleloader setup, just a scope difference, right? Yeah, yeah it's same same muzzleloader. Um, now, we do have a couple units that are even more primitive, like flintlock stuff. Huh. Um, and those are over on the, the eastern side. Um, I'm not going to give away the units, but... You, you, there's some big deer in those units, and gotcha. that that you need a really primitive muzzleloader for those. And the, I actually the, love that though. That's yeah, cool. The uh, the the rule book breaks it down, um, you know, a really really well of, of what that is. But yeah, for the most part, same exact muzzleloader setup, same everything. Just can't use a scope. Yeah, no use, You can use inlines. Yep. The the two states I hear talked about quite a bit. I think that are intimidating to people that are considering getting into muzzleloader hunting are Colorado and Idaho. Yep, Colorado and yes. Idaho. How do they differ? Brady, do you know off the top of your head? Idaho, I do know it's a lot more primitive than uh, Colorado. When you say a lot, like, okay, so Colorado, you've hunted, you muzzleloader hunted Colorado, yep. right? How does a Colorado legal muzzleloader differ from, you know? What is the, Idaho, the, you need a, like an open open source ignition system? Uh, Colorado, you can still use it in mine. Okay, so you can essentially use this same setup without you, a scope? Yep, but you on your... Uh, on your bullets, they have to have some sort of. I believe it's you can't use savets. Let me double check that. In Colorado, you can't use savets. Yeah, you have to use. That's why yeah. I use the. It has to be a, a seated bullet. Yep. So seated, that's why in Colorado, I use the. Was it called the ELR? Yeah. Power belt. Yep. Because they have the little. Uh, gosh, what you call it? The little plastic thing on the backside of it, so it makes it legal. But you can't use savets. Yeah. So it's a little bit. So it's a, d- a distinction in the bullet. Yep, distinction in the bullet itself. But other than that, an inline muzzleloader. Inline muzzleloader. Pelletized powder, does that matter? You can use that. Anything goes there. Gotcha. But like Idaho, let me just pull it up just so I make sure I'm not. To be legal, um, so in reality, sites, loose black powder, pyrodex, um, patched round ball or conical non-jacket projectile comprised wholly yeah, of lead or lead alloy. Uh, equipped with a flint, percussion cap, or musket cap. Um, 209s are prohibited and e- oh. equipped with ignition system, which any portion of the cap is exposed or visible when weapon is cocked and ready to fire. So very primitive. Gotcha. And the whole, like like I said. Yeah, no no 209 powders. Yeah, round, round ball. Yeah. So, so, Col- that's, so that's where you get extreme primitive. Yeah. But Col- Colorado is very yeah, similar to Nevada. Pretty much the setup. Yeah. yeah, the one, it's interesting because Colorado, I hear a lot of people be like, oh, I don't know, I don't have a muzzleloader, you know, t- that I can adapt and, to. And that's how I was but, until I just started educating but myself. But in reality, I mean, to, to get to a Colorado legal muzzleloader is pretty simple. Well, the, the tough pretty part, simple. so right, I've yeah. hunted muzzleload Colorado a lot and Nevada a lot. The difference of having a jacketed um, projectile is it makes a massive difference. So in Colorado. In accuracy? Yes, like okay. massively. So, so. A lot more range work and weapon familiarity and mm-hmm. projectile familiarity with Colorado. Like not being able to, to seat it in a jacket and have it perfectly sat in there every single time. It's it's a world of difference, honestly, coming from Nevada to, to right. Colorado. Like gotcha. I, I have a Colorado-specific yep. muzzleloader. Yeah, but but in essence, it's the same muzzleloader. The biggest difference is just in your bullet. Yeah, projectile. Your projectile. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. I know there's, I mean, I just finished Colorado App Strategies and you look at the available hunts for muzzleloaders, just like you're saying, man, there are a ton of really, that's why That's why I do it A out ton there. of options. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there really is. Tons of mule deer and, and elk options for muzzleloader. And mm-hmm. antelope. And antelope. That's what become yeah, one of my favorite don't hunts antelope. is muzzleloader yeah. antelope. Oh, yeah. There's some good tags. <laughs> Open sight, muzzleloader <laughs> antelope in Colorado has quickly become one of my favorites. What uh, bullet weight? 300 grains. 300? Yep. How much powder? 
Uh, 115 by weight of Blackhorn 209. So and I'm, I'm pushing probably – let me pull it up so I don't say the wrong thing. Yeah, that's what's cool too because Blackhorn 209 is legal in Colorado. Yeah. For yes, like your normal pelletized powder. You can't use smokeless. Mm-hmm. So but Blackhorn 209 is pretty much a standard in a lot of muzzle loader setups. It, yeah. yeah, I mean that's the go-to. That's pretty much the go-to it standard. Is, yeah. So my, my muzzle velocity is 2480. Okay. So it's still Holy shit. It's moving pretty good still. Um, 300 grains. It's, it's a lot of whoop-ass when it hits something. <laughs> but it's still a muzzle loader yeah. bullet so you know the, the blood trail is not that great and yeah i was gonna ask you about yeah. that i hear that a lot yeah why what is one hole i don't i don't know if it's because it doesn't mushroom as well I, I don't i don't know the theories behind it uh, i know i have had trouble with blood trails with muzzle loader i don't like cody's bull i don't think that thing had a blood trail at all but it fell right in front of us so um i know my my bull in new mexico didn't have much of a blood trail at all um deer i shot him i shot my deer three times that was that was kind of rough um rough go yeah he just i mean i I, the first shot it was kind of i was in a really steep canyon there's a ton of oak brush um really i had good shots i think i was just i was really unstable i was shooting off a tripod shooting a muzzle off a tripod's not easy uh it it this one does kick doesn't kick really that bad, but it, it kicks enough to where you're yeah, it's kind of when recoil. you're when you're sitting lean down yeah. on an angle on a slope on a tripod, it kicks enough to kind of mess you up. Um, so I, the first shot, I hit a little far back. He came embedded kind of right in front of me. Uh, and it was like 212 yards, so the, but just the angle was insane. Uh, so when he bedded again, I, I hit him hit him fairly good, like kind of right at, right at the shoulder, kind of but kind of right high shoulder. Uh, and then my my third shot, he, I finally plugged him right, like just right in the heart. Um, but he, I, I don't know what it is about muzzleloader bullets. It, uh, it there was no blood. Any, I mean, granted, the whole time I'm watching him, he, you know, yeah. And I'm I'm reloading. I reload pretty quick, so I reload, get set up, shoot again. And I'm like, man, this dude ain't dropping. Um, so finally, that third shot, he he, he died. But yeah, it, it no blood trail, and it. And it I just it, the the impact performance. It's just not there. These yeah, it, it's it's, it's, the it's still a muzzleloader, and, and that's what I say. Like, you know, even with a scoped muzzleloader, I don't know that I'm gonna ever shoot past 500 yards. Um, now this gun is capable of seven to 800 yards with a scope, but I'm I, I just don't feel the need to. Yeah. From my in infield data and my my you know in like the the tangible results of shooting animals with it, I I think I'm gonna stay it. At 500 with a scope and 300 tops with with open, open sight. sight. Yeah. Are, are you holding on a shoulder on a muzzle, or are you going to hold off? Uh, so it, it to me it varies on the angle. For what I've done, I have held right on the shoulder, um, but I do know that sometimes I'll yank. I, I can have a tendency to yank the trigger. Uh, I know that when I pull the way I pull, if I'm in a really weird spot sitting, I am always going to pull to pull to the right. Um, so I will aim to account for my own insufficiency in the trigger pull that I'm going to. Yeah, we need to work on that. I do. I do need to work. It's only muzzle loaders, huh? Uh, yeah, I, I tend to kind of have a weird yank with muzzle. I don't know if I'm anticipating the. I don't have target panic. Um, I, I think sometimes with the muzzle loader, I just kind of get a little sloppy because it, it's still just a. Is, it's not something I've done a, a ton of. Yeah. Um, Is trigger work a thing with muzzle loaders? Yeah, same, like same. I mean, you work you working your triggers over aftermarket triggers. Yeah, yep. I, I have same trigger in my rifle, the trigger tech, and I have it same. I think I'm set at like two pounds. Um, yeah, I'm, so at, same pound, exact I'm at a pound and a half on my trigger tech yeah, yeah. on my muzzy. So I like a light. I like a light trigger. I, I mean, some too. guys are going to go opposite that. They like a stiffer one because it 
eliminates target panic in a way, but I just like barely be able to put my finger yeah. on it, pressing that thing and having it go off. Same thing we always pressing talk about the rifle. The trigger. Pressing, not Trail. pulling. <laughs> now, my, my first shot with the muzzle loader is usually always spot on. It's my follow-up shots because you've, Your you've now made a shot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you're like, shit, I need a follow-up shot. And you're like, shit, I got a muzzle loader, and I'm trying to get all my tubes and my powder and load real quick. What do, you, what do you think your your uh, reload time would be? Dropping powder down, dropping bullet, pushing that ramrod down? I'm under a minute and a half for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I see on yours, you run your ramrod attached. Yep. Do you, do you, will you pull it off before you take a shot, or do you keep it on there and sight it in no, with it on? No, I, I do it with everything on there. Okay. I'm afraid of leaving it behind. So. Okay, so I'm the, I'm the opposite. So mine muzzleloader looks more like a rifle. I don't have a ramrod attached mm-hmm. at all. I so you have a collapsible? I have a collapsible yeah. fold-up because I just think in my head I am losing a bit of accuracy because right. that stuff's vibrating. Yep. It's on the barrel. It's impacting barrel harmonics, all that yep. stuff. So I will never have one on. Brady's yeah. a very detailed he guy. He is, yeah. For he anybody is. who does like, if, if I can think about it and mess with damned. my head, yeah. I'm not going to shoot it. So like, that's what I see on mine. Like, I don't have, you know, one yeah. hunter at all. Interesting. And I just I do my same, and I know you do the same thing. Brady's a super methodical dude. Um, when I put my funnel in and dump my powder and then stuff the bullet, I when I pull my ramrod, I that's when I know to pull my funnel as well. With when my ramrod's coming out, I grab the funnel, pull it all out. Funnels go back in my little marsupial pouch, everything, and then the uh, ramrod goes right back in, and that's the way I've always done it. Uh, yeah. So I just kind of stick with that's your process. You yeah. legit have to have a process when you're shooting muzzle. Absolutely. Like when we did that muzzleloader challenge last year, I took note of exactly how you do it, and you yeah. did exactly like I did. You do not talk to people. Nope. You literally are solely focused. Okay, I put the powder in. Okay, now I put the bullet in. Now I push it down exactly how it has to go. The exact squeeze because that's where it can impact your accuracy as well. Like if you're not yeah, if you're not seeing that powder <laughs> down the exact same every single that's time. Yeah. That's yep, you have powder. that line there because yeah. that will even impact how you're shooting because then that's a little bit gap in the powder. That powder's going to ignite. Yeah. It's not going to ignite the same every single time, and then your bullet's not going to you know fl- fly as accurate. So yep. let me ask your opinion. The old ramrod throw. You see people they'll they'll dump their powder, seat their bullet, push it down in, and then they like to throw that ramrod. Oh no 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 nobody. You're 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 ding- like look at these bullets. Yeah, like these <laughs> things are. Tipped. I'm curious, but you've no. seen that. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, yeah. I've seen. Yeah. Oh yeah. And My, I I even have a certain jag i have a spin jag on there so it's, it's spinning around it that that goes down and does not compress the tip of my bullet because i don't want a flat one like that, you see on a round ball yeah. to compress that bullet everything has to be perfect to me but that's what we're saying too like when you're doing this like that's how you can get double charges yep. if you're not fully paying attention you're heat of the moment yep. you're, you, you load the powder oh now i'm gonna talk to my buddy at the range field but hey did i put my powder in oh no i didn't put my powder in. and you're dumping another load of powder now you just double charge that sucker now mm-hmm. that thing is a bomb waiting to go off yeah. Like a legit bomb, and that's where it gets scary. Sometimes I've done it before where I know I've done it perfectly, but I'm like, did I dump it? And I will just pull out the breech plug, and I will just dump that powder yep, everywhere same. just because I, for yeah. some reason in my head, did not know exactly what I did. I'm not going to trust it. And that's why I drew the with the silver Sharpie there on the end yeah. because if I stick that ramrod down and that's, that line is not yeah. at the same spot every single yep, time, because that's, that's, yeah. that's also the, breech plug the best and, tip because you yeah. can throw that back down there to double-check everything, and that's also, like I said, yeah. you see in the powder to the same to, every single to time. To Trail's question, so I have a seed mark on my Colorado muzzle, or I have a, a seed mark on my ramrod as well, and I'll stuff it in until that seed sits just right, but then I do, I have a, whatever, that the jag or the cone, I have a little coned uh, ramrod, so it doesn't mm-hmm. press the actual tip of it, it actually sits down a little bit off the tip. Yep. But I'll just pick it up like an inch or two and just drop it twice, 
just to give See, it a yeah, little, it's just your style, yeah. a little vibration in there. And then that's little, when I know a little tip tap, uh, a little tip tap. So I'll just pull <laughs> it out. I'll, that seed will come out inch, two inches and I'll just, I don't throw it. I don't do any of that. I just kind of drop it a little more vibration into that bullet. And that's, yeah. that's I've even my, done once, that's my process. Twice. One step further. Only so you, twice. Have, you, have, you have the silver Sharpie. I do the silver Sharpie, but then I also take a knife and we'll scribe into that. That's, so that's, that's what you I probably have the same yeah. thing. Yeah. I did so that. In case yeah. that silver Sharpie thing ever gets worn off from the rain or whatever. I need to do that. Yeah. I scribed it and then silver Sharpie it around. Yeah. So like all that stuff, just and then stuff like this to painting with with fluorescent nail polish on the the globe site. I just have muzzle loaders. It, I get insane with the process because I'm just like oh, it's got to be the same every yeah. time. And yeah. we've talked about the process a lot. And it, archery and muzzleloader is it is insanely important. And mm -hmm. then we talked about with rifles. I think people just get it's a rifle. I don't need a. Right, right. You still got to yeah. have a process. Yeah. Yeah. I just think the process gets should get more detailed. As you go from rifle to muzzleloader, muzzleloader, archery, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then it's this is a process for sure. You, even the same thing. Like I won't put a primer in until, yeah, until I'm legit ready to go. Yeah. Muzzleloader's pointed in the right direction. Everything's dialed. Like yeah. You don't walk around with your gun with a primer loaded? No, 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 no. no That's no. a hard no, huh? <laughs> hard you no. You don't stomp hard no, the dark timber primer loaded. <laughs> I don't ever walk with a, a primer loaded, a bullet chambered, or an arrow knocked ever. Yeah, yeah. Do agreed. It. Do you, are you uh, crazy like me? Do you weigh yours out by weight or you go by volume on the powder? By weight. Yeah, yeah by weight. Does yeah. it does it matter there, weight or, or volume, as long as you're following the same thing every time? I don't think volume is as accurate as yeah, by weight. Because no. they can look at yeah. the tube, like you can put that up to the volume and it could be a little bit higher, yeah. but you're not going to know and you tap it and it might settle it down a little bit. Right, yeah. So like it's hard to, for me, but like volume is what everyone used to go by back mm -hmm. in the day, but I still will use my lab scale that I use for my rifle setup to weigh it out to exact tenth. I know exactly what the grain is going to be. But then if you're talking about muzzleloader charges, and that's where it gets scary on the internet. You say, oh, yeah, I do 109 grains, but you don't say by weight or by volume. Yeah, that could that be very, could be very different. different and very scary if someone's going to try to copy your exact load when theirs isn't set up for doing that. So it's like, that's why you have to say 109 that's grains we go back to that by weight. Bad information and bad information. Yeah. of your craft. And yep. should you have an Instagram page teaching people if you've never done this? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I've just done it by volume, <laughs> but then I've never taken a shot over 100 yards with a muzzle. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just trying to be <laughs> psycho and like try to take out all those random variables and inconsistencies and try to make it better. And just try to like even like a cleaning process. I clean the exact same yep. every time, just yep. to like make sure everything's uh, well let's, seasoned. Let's talk about cleaning. What's the? Uh, I know this is a this is a black hole. I feel like the cleaning of the muzzle. Yeah, tell me what's your the, process for cleaning. So cold. I mean, cold board. Do you do you when you go into the field to hunt? Are you putting one round down chamber? I'm just putting one round down. And some people might do it differently and just say you might just have to you know shoot one primer down it, and that could be good as well. I could season it, but I will. Do my whole cleaning method with the patches and some like goop stuff. Can't remember exactly what it's called. Just some CVA mm -hmm. stuff, and just put a little patch down it, and then do like a little dry patch, and that's that's it. And then I shoot shoot once. You shoot one round. Shoot one round. Then load and or then no load. Before I, you, do you, you said you don't put a bolt. You don't when you're out hunting. Do you only load your gun when you see an animal? No, so I do the powder and bullet and everything. I just never do the okay. primer. Okay, primers in my little gotcha. tube in my yeah, pocket right here. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, yeah. but that but then it gets the thing too that I want to discuss. So like. How long do you trust that in there? Let's say you're hunting and we load it the, load it the first day, opening it's all day. It's the weather. I know. Yeah. So like, what if, we get some, what if we get some rain on our hunt and it's day four and that sucker's been down there for I'm four reloading. days? You're yeah. pulling it out? Yeah, pulling it out. That's the same thing reloading. I'll do. Yeah. You're just going to burn that and dump it out. Mm -hmm. Or if you're in an area where you can take a practice shot, I might take a practice that, shot that, or something. Yeah. But I I'm, don't I'm, I'm quite trust it. Even though I tape my barrel, all that stuff, like all that moisture getting in there could affect the powder and that powder's been sitting there for four days. Have yeah. you ever had one not go off? No, I haven't either. 
Mm-mm. I've I had have one. On my, uh, my old muzzle loader. I've had one. Uh, there's a term for it. I always forget. When it, you pull the trigger and it takes a second to go off. The delay. Uh, hang fire. Yeah. Hang oh, fire. really? Hang fire. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that happen to me. That's Nevada. pretty common with those. Oh, what are they? Not the CVAs. What are the the, the big Thompson? Yeah, I think the, those. Have build had nights them. in this. Maybe. So I yeah my night ultralight. Uh, I've had one hang fire, but it was at the range. Um, that was the only time it ever did it. Yeah, I had one hang fire in Nevada on a hunt. The only time. Pretty unnerving, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it wasn't like a massive it just, hang fire. Just it was like a delay. half a second, yeah. but just enough to like, and then get yeah. kind of like, what the hell in my hi- my head and then, and then kaboom. went off. Yeah. yeah. Scared the shit out of me, yeah, obviously, but like, wasn't one of those scary ones where it's seconds and you start manipulating actually where the barrel's pointed before right. it goes off. But that's like, even though when I'm loading the, the primer modules, cause I'm using the Arrowhead mm-hmm. the Gen 2, yeah. you know, breech plug system. Like when I'm loading the primers into the primer modules, I am not touching those primers with my hands. I'm oh. not getting any oil on it. Yeah. I take those primer modules, I put them in a tube like that. So they're all by themselves. And I just block <laughs> that bag. Like the hell is he talking Trail about? Trail and I are looking at each other. Primer like, module? Shit. Yeah. You're right talking here. the actual like little casing. Yeah. Oh. So here, here's a primer module. So he does the exact same thing. So I'll take with a Blackhorn 209 tube. And you have these little primer modules, and you can seat your primer down in the module. And so while I'm seating, what that, are you calling the module? The bra- the, the more br- the little brass, the brass yep. thing around it. Yep. Yeah. This is your primer. That's yep. the primer. Yep. This so, is your module. Module. Yep. So that's set up perfectly, and I seat those to the exact thousandths of an inch. I have a little primer thing at home. I can see it to exactly the same every single time. I don't do it by feel. I do it by exact measurement. So I measure out exactly how far down from that top of that module that I'm seating it. And I've tested that by shooting zero, which same thing I do with the rifle. And uh, so that way I don't touch anything with the oils. And I'm very careful, even like right now, I feel bad that I'm holding this thing right now. I I'm just not, touched not the end touch of it. it. Just, you know, I, you might want to put that one in the... It's good. Mark that with a Sharpie and say, hey, that's trail, the range don't mess that one up. It's the range Brady's details never cease to amaze <laughs> I just buy mine at... Um, Ace. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they shoot. come in the little cart where you slide them out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the one. So I think all those little things don't matter when you're talking about consistency and with the muzzleloader because I'm trying to pump out as much accuracy as I can. Right, sure. Right. And that's why I weigh everything out. That's why, like, right here in front of me, I have my little book here. Like, I've always heard me talk. Every single one of my guns has a notebook. I write down all the specs of exactly what it is, what my trigger weight is, what my specs are, how, where I loctited things, where I didn't loctite things, how far you know I'm pushing that ramrod down. I have a measurement from the ramrod down if I ever lose that. Silver Sharpie marker, how I you know how load deep? the modules, what the bullet weight is. What, when I'm using these, I have to swedge these bullets on my 45 cal and like size them to my barrel even. Like all those little things, I track it all in here and track every single shot down my muzzle just like it would a rifle. Because that's all data I'm collecting to then make my future shots. What is that bullet? Uh, what's this? The Arrowhead. Uh, it's the Arrowhead uh, NSR. Yeah. Uh, Three hundred. So that's the no sizing. No required. size required. Yep. So I don't have to swedge anything. So uh, yeah. He has them built per. I think this is a Brooks barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he has them sized right for that. And Luke's really awesome. Uh, Arrowhead. He he's a super smart dude. Yeah. If you want to geek out and think I'm talking geeky, dude. talk yeah. talk to Luke. Yeah. Muzzleloader guy. Yep. Yeah, Arrowhead. Engineering background, um, extremely talented individual. Uh, it's been a lot of fun being friends with him and learning all about his muzzleloaders and his methods. And yeah, it just once I got like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get into muzzle hunt, hunting. I'm like yeah I'm I'm, I'm gonna go all in on a muzzleloader. Uh, I don't know. I I don't half-ass anything. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, that, that's what's it, great because like we did that competition. You guys haven't seen it. What was that video called? Uh, the muzzle muzzleloader shoot. Yeah, the muzzle. What what shoots best? Muzzleloader challenge. Yeah. So we did that one. It was probably last year, about the same time. Yeah, it was last last spring. Yeah, we went on to the, went on to the desert and did a little open site muzzleloader challenge, and we put my 
semi, I call it, what do you call it? Semi custom setup. Cause I have a Paramount mm-hmm. pro Colorado 50 cal and I have done a lot of custom accessories to it. Put it up to your fully custom yeah. arrowhead system here. And I've uh, had a little hundred yard challenge, which was really fun. And who won? Of course, the fully custom I guy. <laughs> I but I was pretty darn close. Let close. me just. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need to do it with the same gun. We need details yeah. Yeah, here. How go. close? Yeah. Um, uh, we had uh, our friend Whitey. He had a <laughs> non custom setup, which totally works. Yeah. Great. You kill a lot of deer with it. He's probably killed more That's deer with that than ours. You mean trail and eyes setup? That's what I I shoot a Thompson Center. I've got a Thompson Center. That's the only muzzleloader I own. So it's just basic. I think he just has that basic CVA, like break open. Yeah. And, and we were cheating yeah. too. We all had bipods yeah. and you know it was full, full dialed setups. That's what I've got. Open sights. I think he even had uh, pellets, pelletized. Yeah, he did. So like we're all <laughs> measuring ours out. So you know we laid down. We were measuring. We forgot a freaking tape measure, which sucked. But we were trying to you know do our best measuring in. I think you might have beat me by like a half inch or something like that at the end. But yeah, pretty darn close. We were doing hundred yards with an open sight muzzy. It'd be fun to like we were talking the other day. We almost need to do that again. Scopes, but we go out there to. and do either scope setups or also shoot the same gun. Yes, right. like that's right. the problem though too. Like Blackhorn two hundred nine is literally impossible to find. So I feel bad going out there just burning. That's where I'm at. I've got a good stockpile right now, but I'm like, oh, can't find man. it. You can't. No, no, it's impossible. And if you do find, it, it's like seventy bucks as opposed to. The and, and they went down from what? They used to be 10 ounce jugs down to eight ounces yeah, eight now. Ounce now. And that, yeah. You can't find that, uh, that five pounder. <laughs> yeah. You can't find a five no. pounder. I've never seen one. No. Interesting. So I really want to do it again, but I think we each need to shoot each other's gun because at that point you're just find, trying to figure out, you know, what the gun and the shooter is better, which right, right now is just the gun mm-hmm. in a sense. But that was a fun. It was, it was a blast. It, it was. I'll have to do it awesome. again. And we'll bring out ours. Yeah, I see, how we can, <laughs> see how we. Stack I mean, out. here's the thing: is like I hear you talking. I you hear 500 yards. Like I would never dream of taking. No. I just, it's just because I haven't practiced and I don't have a setup no. for it. I just haven't put the Off time. Off the top of my head, like really thinking through it, I think the furthest shot ever with the muzzleloader for me is 140, 140 something. Mm-hmm. 100, 100 is pretty. Now much. that was all range stuff, right? Like, yeah. And Cody had never shot this gun prior to the range, and I I feel like. What'd you shoot? 500, 550 on that steel plate with open sights and 545. And it, it, so the gun is really impressive because he had got behind the gun. He had no time behind the gun and was able to, to hit steel at 545 with open sights. I mean, it's, yeah. the gun's just, it's impressive. Um, yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying Cody sucks or anything. He's a good it's shooter. the Indian, not the Arab. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's an impressive gun. Price wise. If somebody I know wanted, I was going to ask if you don't mind. Me too, if you don't mind. Like Here we some, go. If, don't turn, don't turn that. Oh. Did you turn it? No. Okay. If somebody wanted to get into something that's fully custom like this versus something like this, which is just semi-custom. I say semi-custom. Semi-custom. Yeah. And then just your basic run in the mill, you walk into a sporting goods store and buy a muzzleloader. What yeah. are you talking as far as price range? So my setup right here, I believe, everything on it, and I think the bipod's even included in this price. I think my CVA Paramount Pro, 2200 bucks. What? That's fully ready to go. Fully ready 2, to go. 2200 Yep, and that's not included all the powder. No, that's no. That's not included all, all the bullets what, and What primers. aftermarket do you have into this setup? So I have a aftermarket. Well, it's pretty much all aftermarket, except for the barrel <laughs> and the stock. Okay. But uh, I, I have the... Uh, so I have a Burris Picatinny rear base on here. So that's just a little, little Picatinny rail mounted on here. It's with, really small. With your sight? And the sight is a, what is that? A, shoot. I'm, oh, oh, it's any, the same one any, I have. NECG N16, N106 Weaver style peep. So I can adjust elevation up, 
left or right, and it has a little disc in here. And I have a di there's different size discs I can drop in to align it with my front peep. My front peep's just that uh, that Williams front globe with the Lee shaver yep. and the uh, little crosshairs in there. And I don't have mine painted right now, but normally I have mine painted. Gotcha. And that's a really good sight too. Like you so, don't you don't need anything crazy like this. Yeah, I, I so shoot I, that on my uh, night ultralight. That same. Yep. Yeah, so I can't I cannot adjust any of mine. So I'm just dialing it into whatever I have mine sighted in for dead on it, like 150, I think. And he can actually dial. Yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out where I can, like, I feel like I can shoot probably 225 fairly accurate with, with my rifle before I can't see in the front globe anymore. So you, you have this sighted in at 150 yards mm -hmm. and that's stationary set. Yep. Stationary what, set. what, what happens can, if you're taking a shot at 50? You're just hammer. Dead, dead X where you want to hit? Yeah, or are you so holding low? I'm going to hold a little bit low, but still going to hammer it. Yeah. And then anything over 150, if you were to take a 200-yard shot, you just hold over. Yep. I have actually have another little crosshair below mine. I have the crosshairs as the one okay. in the center and then one so down you below. Have a and so I, so I, I can cite both of, or use that second one and figure out what that yardage actually is for the perfect, for my exact charge weight. Gotcha. And then in the front, I just have a, um, uh, what is it? The... What's my brake? Cool. Oh, LR, LR Customs MZ Rex 2 muzzle brake. So it's a giant. It's one of the coolest looking brakes I've seen. Yeah, it's a giant four port. The Rex 2. Yeah. That's and so why like, I like it. Looks like a big squared the rattlesnake head. So I, I, I think muzzle, muzzle brakes are kind of interesting when you throw them on muzzle loaders because a lot of guys either just make fun of them or they don't realize that you actually need one and it's beneficial. But yeah. if you've never <laughs> shot a muzzle loader if you've, uh, and you show, shoot one without a brake on it, it sucks. Yeah. Is, I couldn't even imagine shooting one. It is right. effing brutal. Yeah. So right when I got this muzzle loader a couple years ago, or yeah, I think it's four years ago now, I was breaking in the barrel at the range, and my gosh, I had a bruise at the end of the day. Yeah. From just getting destroyed. So I tossed a muzzle brake on there. I can now track my impacts a little bit better. So you like and the it, muzzle brake on And I can sit down there, and, and I'm comfortable now. Where now I'm not going to flinch. Where I think before, gotcha. if you're, you're going to shoot a muzzle loader, you're probably going to flinch a lot, and it might develop a lot of bad habits. Mm -hmm. So like, you know... Just getting comfortable behind it. And like I said before, I have the Arrowhead Gen 2 um, breech plug system in here because it's going to just tighten down the tolerance again, a lot less, uh, you know, blowback from and that, all the gases. that adds the uh, the bolt, right? Nope. part of it? Yeah, it's part of, the, it's part of the bolt, yep. So I'll, I'll pop this off here. I'll try to talk in the mic if I'm doing it. So basically, I, I had to pop off the standard um, part of the bolt here and then it have the arrowhead adapter built onto it. So those little modules, we'll pop, pop those little modules off. We'll just toss it in mind. Is that here. something you could do yourself? You did yourself. I did it myself, yep. And you, can, you have to time it. So it is a little bit of work. You have to do some wrench work and try to figure it out exactly because I want to make sure this is positioned correctly so I can drop this in on the side. And if you don't do it right and you mm -hmm. have this over here, you're not going to be able to get it in. So when this bolt is in the muzzle loader, I can just slide the uh, adapter right in there and then that's going to go forward and then I twist it down. That uh, distance right here is perfect gotcha. based on everything and so I, you do you can't get some tools from luke when you do it or you can just go to a hardware store and get the right uh does he do that for people can you, you can do it for people you, yeah, you can send, send him your right, you yep. send him your muzzle loader and he'll he'll put it on for yep, you put it on but I, again i like to tinker as oh, i know I'm just, so i'm thinking of me in my yeah. back of my so, yeah, head i'm I not gonna like do to that tinker, <laughs> so i got other <laughs> stuff i want to tinker uh, on it's you not get, again you definitely don't need a lot of this extra custom stuff but again it's a muzzler to me and i want to pump as much accuracy like i already said a million times so i do like doing more of this custom stuff and trying to figure out what's going to work best for me in my gotcha. setup and so that's pretty much it and i shoot blackhorn 209 109 grains by weight with the power belt elr with a 330s yeah mm -hmm. yeah with federal 210 match primers. So you're into that two grand though. 
Two grand, yeah. I mean, that's a it's a chunk. Yeah, it's a chunk I mean, of change. No question. That's more than more than I would consider, you know, paying for muzzleloader sets. That's yep. interesting. And I, do, no, I was and just curious. And I, and I do is. like shooting off a bipod, so I'll still use my same rifle setup, my yeah, MDT you, Skypod. You got to pick a tinny and get mounted on the bottom. Front. Yep. So it's a light setup, but then I throw the bipod on there. You know, it adds a bunch of weight. But again, if I'm going to be hunting with this thing, I'm going to want to sit down and take the best shot possible. It's a muzzleloader, so I have to do my due diligence to the animal by getting close enough. Yeah. Right. Because again, muzzleloaders are not rifles. Like they're Things can go wrong on them. So you, I mean, yeah, you can you can stretch them out on the range, but once you get into the hunting scenario, well, that's why I appreciated totally appreciated what you said earlier. Like you have all this setup and you have all these things on it, and you can shoot it that far at the range. But a muzzleloader still does muzzleloader things yep. at long distance. Yep. I think a lot of people need to take that into account. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you know you step into a tag in in Utah or you know pre this year in New Mexico, it's like, oh yeah, it's, I'm all good. Yeah, you know, I can see him in the scope. Yeah. I can see exactly where I'm holding. But at the end of the day, muzzleloader does muzzleloader things. Right. Yeah. And that's why it's too, it's like if you're going to buy a custom setup from anyone, I don't care what custom muzzleloader gun maker you got, like they claim, oh yeah, I can shoot 500 yards out of the box. Like, well, it could do that, but can you do it? Like you got yeah. to take it to the range. Can you do yeah. it? Is the, is the conditions correct? I mean, you're talking 300 grain bullet. It's a big bullet. It, it can <laughs> yeah. be There's a lot going on when this leaves the muzzle to the animal yeah, between, the, between the two. Yeah. So. And then, you, then you got wind to throw in yeah. there. You got other atmospheric conditions yeah. that yeah. can affect your bullet. Like... You realize yeah, rain affected it a lot more than I thought it hmm. would. Um, that was one thing that kind of opened my eyes. Uh, I mean, it was in a you know pissed downpour in New Mexico and on an elk hunt, and it it changed a lot of things. Shooting it definitely changed a lot of things. I've always heard that anecdotally yeah. that yeah. the rain really affects muzzleloaders. Yeah, just more moisture in the air. Yeah, I've I've always heard that. Yep. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, it it changed changed a lot. Hmm. Uh, I've never shot one in a downpour. I don't yeah, know that I, I would have. recommend it. I mean, you're you're fighting, keeping powder dry, keeping everything closed and clean, and you know when you finally get that, sh- and you can't do anything about it. It's raining the entire hunt, and you're sun up to sun down all night. You know, yeah. hurricane rains, and it's like, do you just sit in the tent or no. do you still go hunt? No, you still go <laughs> hunt. Um, and it, what, what do you do with your your barrel in the rain? Do you, I mean, do you have a case you keep it in? Do I, you I just put barrel it. topper. Yeah, it, sometimes I'll use electrical tape, or there's like a balloon thing that I like to use. Yeah, the balloons yeah. are really good. Yeah, but I keep ripping mine, so I need to figure out what I'm doing out there. Gotcha. I'm an electrical tape guy. Yeah. I'm my, electrical tape, and I use the, I use the gun slicker. Yeah, gun slicker. That's like, oh, yeah, tape. I need, I need yeah. to get one of those. I, I like the gun slicker too for a muzzleloader because it's going to protect all this breach area as well. Like, yeah, I don't want that point. getting the moisture in it. And I'm also trying to avoid taking it in and out of a hot or cold environment. Like, yeah. I might not even take it in my tent if it's snowing or raining out or whatever. I'm muzzleloader hunting. Like, I'm just going to let that sucker sit Do outside. Do you pull the tape off to shoot? I always will, even though in my head, <laughs> even though I've tested it, we've done videos on it, and it, it will blow it off every single time because that pressure is going down that barrel, and yeah. it'll Pulls take it the tape the off. End. But if I have time, I'm paranoid about it, so and it, it messes with my head, I'm going to rip it off. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Yeah, so, Brett, you, so you're 2200 in. What it, what's this setup, right? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, well, open. Does, sights. does your wife know? <laughs> <laughs> open sights. Um, they probably about 7900 bucks with this Night Force on it. It's right at 10. So, so let's take the night force off for now so we can talk through it yeah. like Brady's gun. So yeah. seven plus. About right? 7,900 bucks, yeah. So almost eight. eight. Almost eight grand. Like at a high level to somebody who's not as smart as you two when it comes to this shit, what is the difference between 2,200 and that 7,900? Well, as far as our muzzleloader challenge goes, just a few <laughs> MOA apparently. Just a, few, just, a few, just a little bit. But the thing he's getting a little bit more, yeah. the barrel – is built for the bullet yeah. or the bullets built for the barrel. Like it's perfectly aligned. Like everything's dialed. It's like more it's like custom a nice barrel. pair of boots. Yeah, yeah. It's a very custom barrel. Yeah. 
it's a um, very could, solid, very solid action. It, it, yeah, everything, everything. It's you know, it's sitting on a Remington 700 action, uh, the Night Force MOA, 20 MOA rail. Um, it, it is purpose built and completely engineered around its own bullet, and I think that's what you what you get. Yeah, uh-huh. would you? So would you think this? So you guys shot same conditions, same time, same everything. Yep. But if you guys were out actually in the moment, like actually, you know, being purpose driven mm-hmm. through a hunt, climate was changing day by day. Um, you know, the the actual setting of the shot was different than what you guys had at the range that day. You would think, you know, I'm a I'm a pretty simple mind, but I would think that 7900 would buy you more. Um, efficiency, more I, I, I forgiveness, more yeah. all that stuff yeah. through mm-hmm. those types of, yeah. uh, of challenges, right? And his, and you guys, would you guys say so? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And his is a complete system where, like, I talked about all this stuff. I added it, you know, I had to put my own muzzle brake on there. I had to figure out what the thread pitch was. I had to align my muzzle brake on there, make sure it's locked on tight. I had to put the front globe on. I had to assemble everything. I had to do the custom breech plug in the back, the rear sight, like all that stuff I had to do. I had to take my my barrel off my, my stock. I ground out my stock complete with a Dremel and bedded it to that way I have perfect contact with between the action lug and the barrel and the stock to make sure all those tight tolerances are perfect. So I had to put a lot of extra effort into my gun to get to shoot to his level where his gun is just in that moment though. Right. In that so moment. Like I now, totally understand that. Yeah. You're buying, you could buy time and yeah, you're buying time, you know, that, that's a very common or that's a very understandable thing and concept in my head. Um, but like in the purpose of hunting, I would think being a simple mind that this would yeah. buy you more forgiveness in the, in the changing. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely, I, I've shot my night ultralight in the rain and I've shot this in the rain and I'm taking this every time without yeah. question. So you, um, so you are buying some efficiency. You are, and some yeah, forgiveness you're buying there. some range. Um, this as set up right now with the night force scope on it and the bipod, 9.9 pounds. Yeah. So that for a muzzle loader, that's exceptionally light. Yeah, it um, is. And so like you're, you're buying that. Um, you're pushing rifle territory. Yep. Yeah. Um, man, I, I think granted, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to shoot at an animal over 500 yards, but say you're, you're in that situation where you're, you're at 440 or, you know, 440 to 460 and it's a tough shot and you're sitting there, you know, say you're looking at a 400 inch bull and you're like, man, okay. Uh, I, my confidence in this as opposed to just, you know, a box muzzle loader is, is really high. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's everything. Yeah. I mean, when you have a weapon that you've put some time in at the range and you're completely confident in that. Yeah, I mean, no question. Confidence yeah. buys a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can buy confidence if you will. Right. I mean, that sounds weird, but no, you essentially, can. You, you, you really can. Yeah. Well, you can just weapon. buy that. You can buy that forgiveness, right? right. Like yeah. you can nothing's perfect in hunting. I've never which once is why thought I love about it. having a hang fire in this, yeah. this muzzle loader. That's, yeah, once. that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Like you can uh, you know, forgiveness and hunting is like is everything in my opinion just because what you're dealing with nothing is ever perfect that's why we all love it right right i mean whether it's freezing ass cold in the morning and heats up to 70 in the afternoon like that's pretty tough climate on a muzzleloader Mm -hmm. right um so just confidently knowing that it could hold up to that i i understand the purpose for it for sure so you're you're what were you gonna say no go for it no go ahead i'd rather you (laughs) i'm gonna change subjects if you don't oh okay I'm, i'm gonna stay on this then do you remember? So we were at Hunt Expo. Yeah, we we're walking around. I had, I walked over to you. I was like, "You like, hey, did you see anything cool at Hunt Expo?" And I was like, "I only saw one thing cool at the whole Hunt, Hunt Expo." Yeah, I can't. I for the life of me, I can't remember the guy's name, which I feel bad about. 
don't think the guy's reached out to me. I really want him to reach out to me. There's a guy who's creating those front globe setups for the open sight muzzle loaders. Right. Do you remember what that guy's name was? Or I don't. No. It was not like a real company yet. He's just like kind of. He just up was walking his... around with them, showing people. Yeah. So these oh. are like a sick little front globe setup. So it's very similar to the one he has right here, but it's tricked out. Like it reminds me of an archery site, how it had a bunch of fiber optics in there. Mm -hmm. It had a little sleeve where you could open and close the allow light in or close it to make it dark. And just and we even talked about drilling holes in the top of these to get yeah, more light in here. Get more light. That's um, again because it's so hard to see that, yeah. that front peep. So so you guys you guys both have those globe sights from Lee Schaefer. Yeah, Lee Schaefer, yep. Does he just have a stranglehold on on these? Like yeah, he's it's just like a guy. A super he, solid he actually, system. Yeah, he he's more known in like the really primitive yeah. side. I would really? say yeah, because I've I've told people a bunch of people ask me what that is and I tell them oh Lee Schaefer and they're like what who yeah like yeah like. Lee Shaver, yeah, he's really known in the muzzleloader world, but apparently, so this not. guy, this guy's yeah. gonna compete there. Oh, right? he's gonna like revolutionize he's got a system. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna make some badass changes. And, where and you know how, like, you have your systems. your bow sight that has, yeah, um, the real like like Spot Hog has the real fluorescent, yeah, um, sight. Like he already has that built in. Um, I want to say he even had elevation in the front sight. Yeah, he had elevation in the front yeah. sight, and like little legit, it was like a like a pin. Like you'd have a pin come up with the fiber optic. It was that pin fiber optic, so you have a little bit of light gathering, and then it had the fiber optic coils wrapped around the outside, and you could close that to make no light or open it up to, to bring more light into oh, it. Oh, shit. And then it was just a clamp system. Yeah, so it makes um, it super easy. So you know, like this one, you have to drill. Right. You have to machine that machine one into the barrel, where yep. he's, his is just going to clamp right onto the barrel. Hmm. It's really interesting. So I was, Do you guys trust that as much? I, I, I think clamp I still system. would, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's definitely something to think about because, again, you have to recite that in because that's going to change your barrel harmonics. Yeah. But then also, could that get knocked off a little bit? That's exactly where my brain goes. Like, if I'm hiking through some cliffs or up through some brush, you know, is that going to rotate on me? And So that's where I, I would I lay down to take a shot, and I'm like, oh, crap, my yeah. sight's at 45-degree angle now. So being the psycho that I am, I would probably take that, and on the bottom of it, I would probably drill something up and tap it mm -hmm. and then put a screw in there yeah. to make sure it's locked tight. I mean, it's tight on there, and then I would also use Loctite. Right. So even when this one's installed on mine up here on the front, you know, I'll run <laughs> electrical tape around. Yeah. This ain't coming off. It's got a set screw in it, but my my own brain of paranoia. Yeah, because you don't. What if you're walking through the brush and all of a sudden you catch on a tree? Well, listening and to you guys your... talk about how detailed you are about everything, my mind immediately, which is not like the, I'm not thinking for my for myself here, but like listening to you guys in the detail, thinking about a clamp as as opposed to something that's like actually embedded yeah, into the. Yeah. yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah, because yeah, right now mine's also bedded with some epoxy in the front to make yeah, sure mine's same. all super tight. And I even this, have shims in mine to make it. Yeah, like, so yeah, we'll see tight. if you guys trust this uh, yeah. this yeah. system. Yeah, my, that's why this this gun for me is just my open sight. Yeah, where yours you can, you can cross over between both. Like mm -hmm. that's also what's nice about his setup compared to mine. Like yeah, because if you wanted to do that with an optic, yeah, I have, to, a, I have to tear everything setup. off, and then in my mind, as I'm tearing everything off, that's you know the tolerance. You probably just go get a different one. I just go yeah, get a different one. That's why up. I do have yeah. a forty. I have a forty-five cal setup just for a scope, and I have a fifty cal setup because fifty cal yeah. is legal. What's your forty-five setup with a scope? What's that run? Um, it's, it's gonna be run a little bit more with a scope, obviously. But the same, I have the same sort Call of. Call it three grand. Yeah, probably three grand. So you got twenty-two. Maybe three. Maybe three and, and a half with this. I'm not a math scope. guy, but because I have, I have that three uh, and two is LH. five, so fifty-two hundred. Yeah. So I mean, you're you're up there to have up that there. system as mm -hmm. opposed to where this one can do both. Yeah, I, I can have both systems for yeah. his price of yeah. one yeah. in a sense. And I like to me, it was a total splurge, uh, and I got a good good deal on it. Um, it was a post deployment gift to myself. Like I'm gonna buy a good for a you. badass muscle loader. If anybody <laughs> deserves oh. it, it's a guy post deployment. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But I, I think I'm I'm gonna get with Luke and, and build another one for for our clients just yeah. that we have because I I really I don't I don't want a dude to draw you know a really sweet muzzleloader tag and show up from with my you know, Tennessee loader. with you know, a three hundred dollar <laughs> muzzleloader and I'm like oh this just got real real fun that's for me us. and Trail yeah. hey you guys ready <laughs> I just gotta get closer yeah. yeah. I, just, I mean, I, but I mean, that's it. I just, I know my limits that's my with thought. my muzzleloader. Yeah, and that's but my thought guys, with a muzzleloader tag. A lot tag. of guys don't know their limits. Like, it's one thing if Trail shows up with a $300 muzzleloader, I'm not stressing yeah. one bit. But somebody I don't know who... Yeah. And then it's my situation. Like, oh, yeah, I'm right. going to take that $300 shot, but they've never shot And now shot I'm chasing before. a bull halfway across yeah. the country yeah. that is shot. Yeah, it's just my mindset justice. with a muzzleloader tag is it's it's archery extended in my mind. It's like the very very similar thought, but I'm buying myself 50, 80 maybe a hundred yards yep. maybe yep. that's kind yeah, of my really, process yeah to me i'm not buying maybe 20 yards over my bow but what i'm buying is just quick quickness you know you're like, only 20 yards is, yeah, I, I mean like I've, 100 yards i mean i'll take an 80 yard shot 70 yard shot with my bow and i'm probably 100 110 with my muzzleloader and again it's just i don't put any time into my muzzleloader but i put a yeah, lot of time into my bow, bow but yeah yeah, what a muzzleloader does give me is it gives me a quick target acquisition. I don't yep. have to draw it. I don't, don't have to worry. the body motion of actually yeah. making I mean, a move on the animal. All my biggest deer are muzzleloader deer, and it's yeah. they've all been within you know eighty to hundred. That, that actually years. is a good distinction too, because when you break it down, for, when you go from a bow to muzzleload, you don't have the body motion of making a move. Yeah, you pull mm-hmm. up and shoot. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, the the amount of movement is yep. like way more concealed. Right. So and that going, is that's another back. huge buy with a yeah. with a muzzle order to your point on on price like what are you getting i think like trail talking about you know yardage i think with this one you're legitimately buying as opposed to most of the you know off the shelf sportsman's warehouse muzzle loaders i think you're actually buying a few hundred yards here with this yeah one. and that, that can make a giant difference um on a hunt yeah um, for sure especially in a state like utah where you can use a scope i would yeah. say you're buying yourself probably 400 yards yeah um, yeah that's crazy that's so, it's Which crazy is a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a really big deal. We have a tag of a lifetime. Yeah. 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 I've, I've looked at bucks from 400 yards and thought that'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah. Shit. This would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Are there muzzleloaders that you can buy off the, off the, you know, over the counter? You could buy them at a sportsman's warehouse or, you know, Cabela's or whatever it is that are, you think, good options, like, or that you're aware of? Have you put much time into looking at those? Not a whole lot. I haven't put any yeah. time. But the nice thing is you don't need an FFL for a muzzleloader. Yeah, that's true. You can get shipped right to your house. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You can. I buy, think it all goes back to how, how good of a hunter are you. I, I mm-hmm. think me and Brady both could, could go kill a deer with a yeah, $200 you could. muzzleloader. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I, yeah. What's a new one run? 500 bucks? Yeah, 500 to 800 probably. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't think they're very expensive. No. It, it, there's a very small barrier to entry to muzzleloader hunting. I think that's why I like it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's... Granted, you know, I'm sitting here with this, but my first muzzleloader was not this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I still killed deer with it. Um, Whitey killed a ton of deer with his yeah, muzzleloader. And, and I will say, too, even like, you know, we're out here in the West, but like my family back in Minnesota, the best season they have is that muzzleloader, muzzleloader season. Yeah. It's after the rifle hunt. It's when those deer are more docile, like they come out in the fields. Like they've shot some giant deer in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. On the muzzleloader hunt. Yeah. It looks- Nevada muzzleloader hunt. It's, it's awesome days. Yeah, Cody's pull yeah. up some. Then Colorado, yeah. too. I mean, yeah, archery's got nine days on you you know technically they got nine days on you but still yeah i, mean, I love colorado hunts you can buy buy some yardage yeah. um you know give the archery guys the first nine days on top of you and then you you buy yourself some yardage buy yourself less body movement making a movement towards the animal i'm just trying to buy more good, tags it's a good that's, deal that was the whole logic for muzzleloader for me is more hunts that's it that was my options. only yep. that has been my only uh motivation for for muzzleload is is just buying more tag opportunity yep. 
especially in the states that like Nevada and there's other ones like it, but you know, one through five choices and they run through all five before you get, you know, before you get tossed out. If you can't draw any of the archery tags and move on to muzzleloader mm. and move on to rifle. Yep. Yeah, there's, it, it's very, I would say, underutilized for sure, muzzleloader hunts. There's a ton of opportunity. If you're looking to increase your draw odds, you know, put a permit in your pocket yes. and still go hunting. And the berry of entry, like you're saying, is not that high. No, He's, it's not. Cody just pulled it up. I mean, like some of the most most expensive top-end, you know, open-site muzzleloaders, you're talking 600 700 bucks, up to maybe, you know, scoped models looks like, what, 1200 Looks, they got a. They, they have a Colorado specific. Oh, yeah, that's, that's pro mine. Colorado. So that's Colorado. mine. So it looks like they've yeah. increased the price. Eighteen hundred, nineteen hundred bucks. bucks. But it's it's Colorado ready. Got the globe side on the front. Yep. Um, that's your exact setup. So that, so that was the exact setup I actually purchased, but then I swapped out yeah. the rear CBA side. CBA Paramount Pro side. Colorado fifty caliber. Yeah. So my buddy Jim bought the same one off of your record. Cole did too. So after our video, they both went and bought your same muzzleloader. That's they, actually you know, interesting. CBA is making Colorado ready. It's ready to rock. Yeah. You don't need anything else. All it comes with the trigger type. I didn't trigger. know that. Nineteen hundred bucks. And then uh, what's crazy? Jim actually put his in an XLR chassis. So really? he's running a muzzleloader now in an XLR chassis. Really? Yeah. Oh boy, it, I'm gonna have to do that now. Yeah. It, if someone does something <laughs> more badass, I gotta, I gotta yeah. do the same. It is a uh, look it, good, hunt good. You it's know? pretty awesome. Look good, hunt um, good. So the collapsible stock and it, that's gonna be dope for Colorado. Hmm. But nice. even get even get back into like the the regulations and stuff too. Like I highly recommend people don't say what we just discussed as hard face value. There's probably some changes on what what's legal in what right. states. Oh yeah, Utah's have, talking about it. Yeah, yeah. like you really yeah. have Utah to go needs on the, to talk about it. They've already made the move of pushing out elk hunts. You know those rifle elk hunts. Oh yeah, just even this like when we're talking about Idaho versus Utah versus Colorado, like go in the regulations actually look at. Well, it. yeah, the like, shit changes. I mean, shit changes all the time. As, and I, yeah. I might have misspoken on something too about one of those states because there's so many changes like the so weather. Oh, that should go without yeah. saying. Anything that we say here, you should Research. double you should check. Yeah. Double yeah. Before check you, it. yeah, before you go into the field, we just want to put that back out on you. It literally changes like the weather. I mean, a lot of the times we're read, applying read before we even know what the final say is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What, all yeah, the stuff read, we're going after. I hope Utah holds out for me. That I got my dedicated hunter tag. I'm trying, I'm excited to use this. Uh, so it's yeah. selfishly, I'm the same way. I want one more year with yeah, Utah. Year. Anything goes before they might yeah. make some changes. Do you? Do you I think the they should. On that? Uh, I agree. They're talking yeah, about they it. Should. They got a committee together. Sounds like in the spring they're going to chit chat about it. I wouldn't worry too much about it in the fall of this year, but maybe potentially in my years my two cents. If you know if they're pushing elk hunts back. Yeah, they're gonna. They'll start. It hasn't been that long that scopes have been legal on muzzleloaders because all my deer I've shot with open sights and I never put a scope on. I remember Utah. Utah went legal with a a scope. What? Ten five years ago, something like that. Less than ten years ago. Uh, Yeah, it's not been that long. No. Yeah, because I remember. I remember when that change went into effect. Yeah, because like I I said, my muzzleloader still doesn't have a scope. I I think it goes back again to everything we've talked about, just being stewards of of our game, like we owe it to the animals to, to take care of them. If we're wiping them yeah. out with muzzleloaders with scopes, then maybe we should relook at it and say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, the, the deer population, the elk population deserves a little bit more out of yeah. us. Let's let's restrict restrict ourselves. And I think the hunt, yeah. hunters should have that responsibility to, to acknowledge that. It's, a, right, cool. it's an interesting topic, though, because then it gets into, like, the long-range thing. Well, right. It's like, well, when, they, when are they going to start managing long-range rifle shooting, right? The, the difference, though, is, like, you know, not all things are equal. No. It, what that comes down to is just the morals and ethics of each right. of the weapons that you have in your hand, right? So it's like, okay, well, we're restricting rifles off a of muzzleloader because it's supposed to be 
or we're restricting optics off of muzzleloaders because it's supposed to be yeah. primitive. Right. Rifles are kind of dates, anything goes. Quotas, dates, they're all set for primitive style, right? Yeah, and I think another common misconception that people have is, you know, rifles and long range go hand in hand. Well, they don't. They and don't. I don't think people realize how hard it is to shoot long range with a rifle still. And that comes down to morals and ethics, yeah, which is and where I think everybody needs to fall into the same. Right. Realizing their limits. Yeah. What are limit. you putting out there? What are you yeah. educating people with? Um, and just knowing, like, I'm never going to shoot the way Brady shoot. Like, I'm never yeah. going to take a shot like Brady would, mm-hmm. right? Like, if we, I mean, I, uh, knowing how to stay within myself, if we pulled up on an animal and it's 800 yards away, I'm I'm not shooting. Brady right. can shoot that all day long. Brady's right. out yeah. there 10 times even, more than I am. 20 times. Yeah. I've been shit. I don't even know how many more times than I am. It's like, uh, he's the guy to make that shot, and I would have full confidence in him shooting that. But I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm so, not doing yeah. that. Again, you going know? back on this ethics thing, what do we think about, I mean, it's not totally off topic, but the the archery side, like archery, like compounds versus recurves, like we're, we're eliminating some stuff on muzzle doors all the time. Are we ever going to say like, hey, you know, on a bow, we have to stop having single pin adjustable sights because they're opening the door to use a lot more stuff and it's not as primitive well, as I think, archery used to be. I think, you know, the compound bow is set, right? Like, it, and it is. It's still very hard to shoot a compound it's, bow. It's still very hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're buying a ton over you know, over a uh, traditional bow, but still like you're still pretty set in, in what it is and what it does. What they have regulated though, is like those Garmin zero sites, right? Like the, the range sites and things that, so they've, they've managed those, you know what I mean? They've managed the, uh, you know, the tech on those, so to speak. I think you look at it from a management standpoint. Yeah. I mean, harvest success, harvest success. And you take all that into account, make, make a decision. Yeah. We got to wrap up. Sounds like our camera's about to die. Yeah, it's got the notification. The <laughs> camera's getting hot. Yeah. yeah, hit us with a promo. All right, we are in application season. If you don't know that, I feel bad for you because this is the time you need to start doing your research to pick up some tags. So you're a little bit behind the eight ball, but you still got time. Yeah, a lot of time. And, and that's why it's fun talking about this. It's a good discussion. You know, probably when this will go out, New Mexico deadline will be passed, but you still have, you know, Colorado, you have Utah. Wyoming, Wyoming, you know, Arizona deer, Nevada. Yeah. So there's a lot Nevada. of there's a, a lot of opportunities <laughs> in some of those states to pick up muzzle or tags. So definitely look into that. And if we want to give you guys a little kickback, so use promo code podcast when you sign up for Insider. We're going to get you guys fifty points back to the Going Gear Shop. That's fifty dollars you can use spend on any gear in our gear shop. So promo code podcast. Sign up, get Insider, get access to all the draws, filtering two Hunt Planner, which is a new tool we launched. We have Point Tracker, and we just launched today. Well, I guess when this releases, it'll be already launched, but we launched North Dakota. That's so right. So we have North Dakota launching. And I am inside. pumped for the Dakotas. So, yeah, yeah. and obviously South Dakota is going to follow. We've been yep. getting a ton of feedback for all the years, and we want to show you guys. We're listening to all the feedback, so we're finally adding the Dakotas to Insiders. Yeah. So we have full-on filtering 2.0, draw odds for all the species. We're working on some app strategy type stuff, some more strategy things to get you guys tagged. So we've got a lot for you guys. So if you're not an insider, promo code podcast, sign up now. Get the best research. And also coming up, you'll get Go Hunt Maps as well. So there you go. Win win. Thanks, Ryan, for stopping in. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, if anybody uh, draws, yeah, draws a New Mexico tag, they can still reach out, right? Yep, absolutely. So you can. Yeah, you draw. don't have to just put in through you the outfit. You don't have to put in through the outfit yeah. draw. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, Instagram and then just Google. What's We're your Instagram What's Instagram? Uh, at, or it's at Blackhorn Guide Service. Okay. Get one word. And then mine's at Ryan the Creature. Oh, cool. Thanks for awesome. popping in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you.